Hey guys, we're here. It's Nick and Manny's Infinite Podcast. We're back. Nick's here. I'm here. What's up? This is the official start to the episode. The 10 minutes that you heard on the Twitch stream, those don't count. No, none of that counts. Because, guys, we did another live episode just because it was easier this way for us to do it. Since we're already late on talking about the Batman. But, guys, we're talking about the Batman. And we have a Bat guest to be with us. Uh, Max is back, guys. We had him on our Spider-Man episode. He is back to talk the Bat. Let's go. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me back again. I guess I, 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 that's always a good thing. Anytime you get invited back, mm-hmm. that that's a, a compliment. So thank you for having me back. That's awesome. Yeah, it was, Looking it forward was fun to having uh, you. Oh, sorry. Debating uh, professional wrestling with uh, Nick. Yeah, about... yeah we, we can do some of that maybe after yeah, we Batman could talk. talk. We could talk about the AEW match from, I think, like two weeks ago. Was it two oh, weeks or last oh. week? Which one? <laughs> Which one are we talking oh, here? No. The... The one that you sent me. <laughs> Which one did I send you? And we'll talk about it. Okay, later. I don't remember. Anyways, this. Guys, anyway, we probably won't talk about wrestling this episode. Well, not that I can think of. If we banter oh, after talking about the movie, movie. yes, yeah. yeah, if we banter talking after about the movie, hopefully Biggie has a full recovery. Yes, it's looking like it's gonna be okay. Yeah, um, yeah. That's all God. I got in the wrestling world. There but you go. It was a big thing that happened, so hopefully he is having a full recovery. Harley asks yeah, who we are talking about the Batman. Harley's yeah, asking who's going to do a Batman me. voice first. I imagine it's going to be Max. I'm I'm just going to say Max most definitely. I'm Batman. I am Justice. I'm ready to talk. Let's do this. Hey, we were Vengeance. right. We were right, guys. Fantastic. <laughs> so uh, I have to do it. Yeah, you have to do it. Batman's contractually obligated. Exactly. Before we hop straight into spoilers. Let's just mm. get everyone's general thoughts out of the way now. If you want to talk about your relationship with Batman, I think we did that with Spider-Man as well. Mm. Go ahead and talk about your general relationship with Batman. Um, I guess we'll start with Nick. Oh boy, it's my turn. Okay, so yeah, my general relationship with Batman is pretty much only movies. I mean, I'm just a movie person. I'm not a huge comics person, although I have read some Batman comics. I read all of Dark Knight Returns like five, six years ago. I have year one, and I read, I think, maybe the first issue of that. Um, I didn't finish it. I need to get back to that. But I'm primarily a movie person. Dark Knight was the first one I saw. Uh, I guess 2009 would have been around the time that I saw it. It was well after it came out. But I was a fan from there. I saw Batman Begins. I saw Dark Knight Rises in theaters. At the time, I thought it was the best movie I'd ever seen. Uh, I do not I do not feel quite that way anymore. Um, but because of that, I became a huge Batman fan from those three movies. I was excited for BVS. Uh and I liked BVS for a time until I realized it was not actually that good. Um, and over time, I sort of became less and less interested in Batman, just as my tastes change. And Manny can attest that I'm much more of a snob and much less of a yeah, comic book person than I used to be. Um, so yeah, when it when it came to this movie, I was like cautiously optimistic, I would say. Like, Matt Reeves has, has a good reputation as director. The cast was all pretty good. I didn't have any problems with Pattinson being cast or anything. But I was like, it'll probably be good, but I wasn't necessarily excited for it. Uh, so I, I walked in like expecting it to be good, but not necessarily hyped for it. And then I was pretty, pr- I, I, don't, I don't know if I want to say pleasantly surprised because it was about as good as I thought it would be. I expected it to be really good, but I guess I didn't go in with the hype of a movie that I was expecting to love necessarily. And I wouldn't quite say that I loved it, but I really liked a lot of it. And I would say it's excellent until the third act was is pr- pretty much my general feelings. 
I didn't really dislike anybody in the movie. There weren't too many elements that I thought didn't work. It was just really solid all the way through. And the second time, I felt the same way. So those are my general thoughts. All right. Mostly a movie guy. Yeah. Said The Dark Knight Rises was your favorite movie and the best movie. When I was 14. We've talked about this. Yes, we've talked about this before. We're... We get yeah, he 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 did contextualize it. Yeah. Oh, and I did I did around the time Rises came out, I did go back and watch the Burton and Schumacher movies, and some of those I don't like, some of them I do. I actually enjoy that Batman and Robin for the campiness it is, but I don't like Batman Forever for some reason. I hate one and I and I enjoy the other, and the Burton movies have grown on me over time. I like both of those movies now, even though I didn't always like them. I'm a big fan of my of Michael Keaton's take, so that's my th- those are all my Batman bases covered now. Gotcha. Max, as I believe the resident biggest Batman fan here. Yeah, Batman's uh, not just my favorite superhero, probably my favorite just fictional character in anything. So that is the world, the world of Gotham in many different forms, whether it be video games, comics, movies, is a world that I've visited so many times. And that's one of my favorite things about the character is just how incredibly up to interpretation the character is, even though he does have this like set kind of a toolkit of personality that you have to usually uh, utilize. But even then we see like when um, the interpretation that we saw for Ben Affleck in the movies, it was kind of lacking some of the things that to me make Batman, Batman, but it still worked and there's still lots of people that really like that interpretation. So I think he's just a really great, like blank canvas, almost like where it's up to the author or whoever is presenting the character. So that's always appealed to me that you can interpret him in one way through video games and one way through the movies and one way through the animated show and uh, animated films. And then of course, in the comics we've had, we've got, we're coming up on, you know, soon-ish, 100 years of Batman. So it's like um, he's been written by countless people in countless different ways with different uh, approaches, different characters at the helm of being Batman. And the thing that's always been super-duper cool about Batman, I think, is the fact that he has an incredible cast of rogues. And... um they all challenge him in an interesting, different way, pushing him. Uh, some push him physically, some push him mentally, some push him emotionally. There's different um, aspects to the character. Um, I think that, again, it's a character that what, what I love is that you could see how you look at something like Lego Batman or like Batman animated series, and then you work your way up in maturity up to like a the Batman or beyond that, like Arkham Knight, where you can tell very family-friendly stories with the character and the rogues, and you could work your way all the way up to incredibly mature stories as well. So he's just a very malleable character and a really great world that you can use in many different ways. So I've always been a huge, huge fan of Batman. I got first comics that I ever read were uh, Robin issues and then uh, Batman storylines. So I've read lots of Batman. I've seen the animated movies, shows. Pretty much if... If it's Batman, I've most likely either seen it, played it, watched it, whatever it might be. So I am a huge, huge, massive fan of the Bat. I got to ask you, 
um, two questions. First off, uh, which is the better rogue kite man or condiment king? Mm-hmm. And then second, did you buy the Rocket League Batman car that came out? Uh, yes, I did. I literally it reinstalled the game for Rocket League, bought the car, and uninstalled the game. Like that's how <laughs> obsessed I am with that's the smart sure decision. That I still have it. Yes. Um, and knowing then, your history with Rocket League, yeah. it was the smart decision <laughs> to it, buy yeah, it. I would have it. Yes, I had to abandon it just to be safe. Um, and um, Condiment King or Kite Man? Um. Uh, you see, the one thing is that I have not watched. This is one of the exceptions. Uh, so this is like Batman adjacent, I guess. Um, I have not watched the Harley Quinn show, like the new yeah. HBO show. And apparently they do a really good job with Kite Man on that. Um, so I, I personally, I haven't read anything that was like exceptional with Kite Man. Whereas Condiment King did have some fun storylines um, in Batman Brave and the Bold and uh, several different comics. So probably Condiment King over kite man but apparently he's really really good in the uh, hbo show so that is what i hear as well i have not seen harlow quinn but i have seen every live action batman movie at least twice even the 60s yes that shark repellent you kidding me that one i still have not seen it's not on hbo max otherwise i would have seen it before this one but it's not on hbo for some reason yeah Adam West Batman goes very hard. See, that's one of those shows that I would watch on Boomerang. Going back to our conversation last night, oh Nick, yeah, uh, Boomerang. That show, that show was always on there. Um, but yes, I've seen Adam West Batman as well. I've seen all of those. I've seen a handful of the animated movies, Under the Red Hood. I saw Hush. I've seen some of the Justice League ones. I've seen a lot of the Batman cartoons. I haven't Have read you seen as Return many. of the Joker. Is that the Batman Beyond? Yeah. No, because I haven't finished Batman Beyond. Oh, um, dude, you gotta watch that. It's so good. It's that is what r- I hear. really well done. Yeah, yeah. But in general, I've seen and consumed a lot of Batman media. Played a lot of video games as well. Um, so I've seen a lot of Batman media. He's not my favorite hero, but I understand why people like him. But I also have this sort of grudge against Batman because everyone's like. Well, he's Batman. He can do whatever because he's Batman. So that that's just sort of my take on that is that I like Batman. He's cool. He does good stuff. Uh, but I feel like sometimes people hype him up a lot. And that just sort of dawns on me after a while where I'm like, okay, I'm done with Batman. I'm, I'm, I'm batman out, which is kind of how I felt with this movie is that I kind of feel batman out. Only because going to what Max is saying is that there's so many different versions of Batman where I'm like, okay, this is another version of Batman. Um, But in general, I liked it. I thought it was good. Very solid. Um, I liked the cast a lot in the movie. Mm -hmm. But I I think that's pretty much all of my non-spoiler thoughts for the movie is that it's good. If you like Batman, you'll love it because it's good Batman stuff. If you're kind of tired of Batman to where, like, I am, you'll still think it's good, but you're kind of like, all right, it's another Batman thing. But in general, that's what I think. None of us didn't like the movie. It's very similar to the way that we felt about Spider-Man, except in this case, I'm Nick, and Nick is me. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Before So if we uh, scaled it up, then I guess I liked it the most again. Probably. (laughs) Yes, Um, you liked it the most. And and then Nick is in the middle, Mm -hmm. and then you liked it the least. I don't think Nick is that far behind you. 
Uh, okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll hear how much you like. Okay, let, how much let, you let, like. let's yeah, do this real quick. Like, we'll, if we'll you rank, does is this the best Batman live action movie? Um, I would still take The Dark Knight, and then personally, yeah, I would take here, I would do yeah. Rises, and then probably this. Oh no 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 no! Yeah, no, I I would go I I would put this in second, but again, I also really really love Batman Begins, which I know is a very slow movie compared to, but I've always really liked that movie. Dark Knight Rises definitely would not be second best for me but my top three would definitely be if we're excluding animated so only live action um number one still dark knight number two the batman number three probably begins yeah Batman begins slipped for me in my estimation of it the last couple times i watched it i still think it's good but it's not not one of my favorites i wouldn't say interesting dark knight rises i still have a big soft spot for though for me live action i'm i'm more with i'm going dark knight begins the batman Mm, for me personally fine so so we're all around the same areas um just for me it hit a little bit less but brian geo 69 great name by the way had a great comment he said bro lego batman is the best animated movie ever it's the best batman movie ever and i'm sticking by that because kojima said it was and y'all know kojima's christ so whatever he says must be true never did anything um, wrong in his life never yeah, yeah. <laughs> ne- never and, uh, never created always, silent or quiet quiet Oof. and also always makes so much sense with all his stories uh-huh. they're like perfectly rational and easy to follow and 100 percent. yeah um Anyways, we we're all generally it's the same thing with Spider Man. We're all generally in the same place, just it hit better for other folks than it did for me. So it is what it is. And interestingly also much... we should also contextualize that you have seen it twice, right? Nick, have I've you seen, seen it, twice. it twice? Nick saw it yeah, twice. Yeah, I saw it twice. Oh, okay. So I'm the only one that hasn't seen it twice. Mm. And I've wanted to yes. see it twice, maybe even three times, but uh, I haven't had a chance to go again just because, again, it's a three-hour movie, and that's a Which pretty big time about. commitment. Yeah. Um, so you want to jump into yeah, spoilers? I, yeah, let's jump into spoilers. Um, my first issue with the with the movie is that the character names are not the same. Uh, who is Edward Nash? Like, come on, give me Nashton. Edward uh, Nigma. Edward Nash in my bad there you go and like i was very sad like because when they said catwoman was in the movie i was like very excited but they went with someone named selena kyle and i'm like where's patience phillips <laughs> I, like i thought we were going off of the the halle berry catwoman i wanted patience phillips to be in this movie so those are my first two gripes with the movie was they changed the character names and i don't like that that's a great bit keep going <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, bro, really? <laughs> you're really gonna go there? They had us in the first half, not gonna lie. Yeah, you you, the first really, half. <laughs> yeah. Then the swerve. The swerve. Then the swerve with patience folks. <laughs> I was like, I yeah. think he's bullshitting me. And then I let it play out yeah. and I became ninety nine percent sure he was bullshitting me. Yeah. Um no, but I guess while we're talking about Edward Nashton, let's start with the Riddler. What did y'all think about the Riddler? I, I I guess I can start with the Riddler. Yeah, go ahead. I liked him. I liked him up until he started screaming in the jail cell. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that that has become a meme of him just yelling no. Um, it's, it's so funny. I saw it in the theater again today, maybe like 
two hours ago I got out of the theater. Um, saw it again today. And when that started coming up, I could only think about the memes of <laughs> him just saying, like, this is not how it was supposed to go. Um, other than that, I like the direction that they took with the Riddler with him being much more of a Zodiac. Oh, guys, we're going to use all the reviewer buzzwords. Um, he was much more like a Zodiac killer in this where it was very brutal. And then the little riddles were sick and sadistic. So I like that take on him versus something like Jim Carrey where he's big and bombastic and he's wearing the bright green spandex and he has the Riddler cane and all those other things. This was, it fit the tone of this movie very well. And I liked it pretty much up until we found out that he was a Redditor and he was screaming in the jail cell at Batman. And then pretty much after that, I was like, okay, the performance isn't as good, but pretty much everything up until then, I thought he was very scary and that was very good. And I liked his intellectual battles with Bruce Wayne and on second viewing I did change my mind about my opinion on Batman being too good of a detective because he does ultimately lose so that was nice to see that he loses and him losing makes him reevaluate the way that he's going about things and it doesn't end happy it ends sad so I like okay so uh, I guess we're just starting with just Riddler specifically, right? Yes, just Riddler specifically. Yeah. So to me, I actually um, I echo most of everything you said, except for the fact that I actually really liked the scene in the jail cell at the end, because I think that the cool thing there is that we saw this dichotomy of where like that was the real him kind of popping up, right? Like the, that was the, the like he is psychotic and when he finally loses kind of control over the narrative, that's when he has this moment of where he becomes unhinged. And so I actually thought that that was pretty strong in terms of like showing us because prior to that, even though he spoke very creepy and obviously murdered people, but he didn't really like, um, like a lot of people could make a justification to be like, oh, well, but he's killing people who are bad and blah, blah. Like, you know, it's like that classic trope of like, is he actually the bad guy? It's like the Thanos thing, you know, where a lot of people are like, well, Thanos was probably right. So uh, you you had a similar-ish kind of tone until that breakdown, until you realize, oh, no, this guy's insane. And Batman literally calls him that to his face. And so, like, I actually thought they did a great job with um, how they portrayed Riddler. I personally, I, I don't despise or like dislike necessarily Jim Carrey's take on Riddler. I think that it's just a very completely different tone for th those movies versus this. This definitely seems like a much more, even though I, I don't even know what to call it as far as like, I don't necessarily would, I wouldn't describe it as realistic because it it is, it, it's got greediness, definitely. Like it, it's a very uh, dark movie, uh, kind of like, anchored in realism but then the reality is like the vast majority of the fighting and everything uh for batman is super unrealistic you know what i mean like when he's how he's never actually taking any damage from guns shooting him point blank and all that stuff like uh, there's definitely it's still a comic book movie and they still lean into that aspect as well so it's like this weird kind of middle ground between those two uh but i think this riddler fits very well my only concern is more so about the future because the main issue I have is that this Riddler very much kind of echoed 
the qualities of Thomas Elliot or Hush and um, Joker. And so what what they do next with this Batman, like what they put him through next, it can't ring through the same exact qualities because you pretty much borrowed certain characteristics from Hush and certain qualities from Joker and repackaged them under the Riddler banner. So it, it'll be interesting to see like what, how do you keep now somebody else different and not just another murdering psychopath? Yeah. And I've seen people both in like one of the discords that we're in and just online saying that it seems like hush is what they are trying to lead up to for the sequel or eventually a hush storyline. So it's interesting that you mentioned hush because that has been talked about uh, just within communities saying, hey, this has very similar qualities. And you do yeah. have you do have that big fat hint in the middle of the movie about hush. Uh, so it definitely seemed like they're going to pick up on that thread at some point. But uh, yeah, as far as Riddler goes, I'm pretty much in line with you, Manny. I it, some people were like saying that th his performance is really sticking with them and that they were transfixed by him throughout the entire movie. I wouldn't say that. And like throughout the movie, I was rolling with it. I'm like, he's pretty good. He's pretty creepy. But again, as soon as like that mask gets taken off, all his scenes from then on, the the couple scenes that he still has, to me, and I even feel this way with Paul Dano and other stuff. I think he overcooks it. I I don't know if it's a direct a direction thing or just the way that he acts, but I'm not a fan of it. It feels sort of out of place for what the rest of the movie is the movie's like to me, especially his very last scene with the other character. Um, I I hate that scene in particular. The scene with Batman got better for me, uh, the sec the second time that I saw it even though I still kind of had the same issues with it. Like, I understand the idea that, you know, behind his mask and on the internet to his followers and stuff, he's a different person than he actually is when you encounter him in person. Like, you know, you hear that about people and about characters all the time being like that. But I still didn't love that direction with it necessarily. It did, to me, feel out of place with the rest of the movie. And it just didn't quite work for me. Like I said, it felt a little overcooked, felt a little overdone. He, at that point, he kind of felt like most other crazy guy villain characters in any movie I'd ever seen before. And it what it didn't work as well for me. And that was part of why the third act didn't work as well for me, among among other reasons. But I was on board with that character for the first two acts, pretty much, I would say. Yeah, that's an it's interesting the... point. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. sorry. Uh, just in terms of, like, I guess, yeah, I agree, like, in terms of, like, overacting. And I guess it's just a matter of, like, if you have a specific thought pattern for... Um, like if you uh, have you ever watched any real life um, like one of those Netflix documentaries about like a killer not, like where they're not really have, I, I forget what was the what was the one that was in Los Angeles that was like oh no 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 there was uh, Manson uh, not Manson there was one more but but even if we use Manson like I think the interesting thing there is that it does seem very like true to how a serial killer seems to work in the real world where when before they killed they have this like method to their madness but then when they get caught there's this like moment of just like they double down on everything and commit to it and so like i to me it made sense for this riddler to do this like i i get what you said but i guess it's also like a matter of like if you have a preconceived notion like where to me, it, it didn't seem like there was a discrepancy between, like, the actions of the guy with the mask versus how he behaved without the mask. It's almost like I would see somebody 
who is like that. And plus, like, the other thing, we didn't really see him ever, like, remember when he was being arrested? He was cool as a cucumber. Like, he didn't act out or anything because he was still in control. The only time we see him, like, go bananas is once, like, Batman pops that bubble of, like, coolness that he had where he thought he had everything under control. And Batman's like, no, you don't. And, like, no, I'm not going to work with you, right? And so it kind of, I don't know, like, I, I think it's realistic, I guess, based on, like, how most, in real life, usually, like, psychopaths sort of behave in a very similar manner, it seems like, where when they are in, like, court and everything, they start to, like, take pride of everything that they've done. And it's like, this is the same kind of guy that Paul Dano played. Yeah, I get I it. I can see that. It just didn't yeah, Sorry. just didn't totally hit for me. Again, I think a lot of it is the overacting. I usually can't handle, especially in a movie with the vibe that the rest of this movie has, that overacting sticks out more than usual, I think. And that's sort of how why those two scenes fell out of out uh felt out of place to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for me, it's not that like the scenes fell out of place. It's specifically the moments when he starts screaming uh, and singing because up because like you have that moment when he's talking with Batman, everything's cool there. And then he starts saying like, oh, I'm not working with you. You aren't this kind of person. And then he has his little freak out. But then after that, when he comes back and he finds out that he that Bruce didn't figure out what the last clue was, he, I like that section of acting as well. And then the conversation that he has after everything happens with that one character is where I'm like, okay, now we're back to the overacting. So it's really just two, two or three it's specific moments. It's more about moments. the delivery of how he acted, right? Like, yes. I guess not, not the content of what he was saying. Or it's no, more like what how he was he saying was yeah. fine. Like, mm-hmm. that, all of that was fine. It was just the delivery in those specific instances that took yeah. me out. I don't know. I guess that, that's uh, I, when I watch it a second time, I'll try to pay attention more because I don't know. I don't remember it being like, except for the memes. The memes are hilarious, but I don't remember it being like something that I was like, oh, that's really over the top. But maybe I just didn't notice it. So I'll, I'll report back when I watch it again. Yeah. But while we're still t- talking about villains, let's talk about the big two of the movie. Uh, Carmine Falcone, Falcone, as some people like to say. Mm-hmm. And Oz Cobblepot. Going into the movie, I was a little bit nervous about how they were going to do Penguin. Because going back to, you know, DeVito or even something like Gotham, where we've had Penguin before, it can go either very good or very bad. And for me, I was all in on this version of Oswald Cobblepot. I absolutely loved um, Colin Farrell's performance in this. It's... Funny seeing people say, oh, the movie had, like, no levity. And I'm like, did you watch the same movie? A, there were, like, dry humor moments throughout this, like, at the beginning when the cop asked Batman to move or the thumb drive. Like, I found those moments funny. But Oz, in general, was just a delight to be around. He had that... He is also hamming it up, but you gotta ham it through the prosthetics and stuff that he had. But I like the role that he plays and that he's still not a big boss and he's just a little he's a little lackey mm-hmm. for Falcone throughout the entire movie until the very end when he sees that uh, power vacuum and he decides to go up. So I did like how we were seeing the origin of Oz throughout the movie. Um, 
and I just liked what they did with him. I was surprised how much he was actually in the movie because I was just kind of expecting him to be in one or two scenes, but he's in it way more than I thought he was going to be. So I felt it was a good establishing of the character, and now he's having an HBO Max series. So I am going to be very interested to see what they do with that. And then as for Falcone, maybe it's because I know the history of Maroney and Falcone that I'm like, okay, so he will have something to do with this. Like, he's not innocent in any way. But seeing the relationship with him and the Waynes, and then also with Selena that they have there. I thought it was a good way of having Falcone be the centerpiece without having him be a super threatening bad guy. Because throughout the entire movie, a lot of the focus is Riddler's doing murders um, and then trying to figure out why he's doing it. So having Falcone be the center of it and be essentially the kingpin for this version of Batman, I thought was really well. And I say Kingpin because I will talk about that later, but I think this is, well, yes, but I think that it's a perfect example of how you can do a dark story without being rated R. And everything that they did with Falcone and Oz, I particularly enjoyed very much. I would like to, well, John Turturro got shot in the movie, so I don't know if we'll see him again, but... Oz, I know that we are going to see again, so I'm excited to see the next adventures of Oswald Cobblepot. Kind of wish we would have seen his next adventures in a movie rather than an HBO show, but it doesn't seem like we're getting. I can also agree with that. Yeah, it's like I'll agree with that. Every every. I think Falcone is dead. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I believe Falcone is dead. Yes, because I'm pretty sure he got shot. Don't they carry him out? I think they carry. I think I think they do actually put him on like on a gurney or something. Or maybe I'm thinking of another moment maybe i can't remember but we definitely see him get shot by riddler yeah yeah i am like 99 yeah. sure that he's dead oh me too i'm 100 like i'm pretty sure he's dead yeah but this penguin show is gonna be one of those things for me where they're not gonna have batman in it other than like maybe one scene and it's gonna be like well why isn't batman more involved in this because we can see how involved he was with falcon and penguin and then the um the iceberg lounge and all that in this movie so that'll be a bit of a disconnect for me but like I I really like Colin Farrell's take. I mean, we we had that, and I saw you guys had that discussion in the Discord earlier about whether they needed to actually cast Colin Farrell and put him in the fat suit and all those pros- prosthetics. I mean, I really think you there are enough good actors out there that you don't need Colin Farrell for this. Like he's not a person who was born to play this role or anything, but he was perfectly good for what he did, and he was an enjoyable bit of levity for the movie. I love the uh, the scene where uh, Bruce and Gordon fuck up after the big car chase. And uh, and uh, is anyone? Am I the only one that knows the difference between L and La? I I saw that and I thought yeah. of you. I'm like, man, he's gonna fucking love this moment because it made me laugh with I my basic knowledge it. of Spanish in the theater. And I'm like, oh man, he's gonna love that moment. It's a great moment. He's great in that entire scene. Yeah, yeah. I I in general like again. Um, I what I really loved about this movie is tonally, and this goes hand in hand with the Penguin, uh, and Carmine, and everybody really is that it is tonally, like, for example, the reason why I I think the Joker movie with Joaquin Phoenix is a phenomenal film, whatever, but I have never gone back to rewatch it because it's too dark. Like, it it just, you don't feel good after you're done watching it. Like, you, you just feel like, oh, like, it's depressing. It feels too real. Whereas this movie straddles that line by including characters like Penguin and that insane chase scene that's, like, way unrealistic. But by doing that sort of stuff, it still keeps it a comic book movie. Like, it still feels like something that is 
unrealistic, something that is escapism at its finest, but also still has that like rough edge where you're like, okay, you could see somebody like uh, Oz, who's like this, you know, he's he's on the lower part of the totem pole, but then he's slowly, clearly throughout this film working his way up. And you could see exactly how uh, somebody like Carmine basically did the same thing, right? Like he stabbed and killed his way to the top and Oz is going to be doing the exact same thing. And so the idea of him now being one of, we'll see obviously uh, what, what they go with and how they do this, but for him to be the one who steps into the shoes of Carmine at least, that'll be interesting. Because again, I, I thought he did a good job. I thought he was, again, like you said, um, to echo that, he definitely was the levity moments. He provided, in my opinion, the best action scene, which is the entire like sequence between him and Batman with the Batmobile chase. So um, definitely a, a strong part of this movie and um, surprised me because I thought that, that with all the prosthetics and everything, I was like, it's going to be tough to like emote through all of that. Uh, but he did a great job. Yeah, it was never a doubt of whether his performance would be good to me, because, like, I've seen Colin Farrell in enough stuff. I know he's always good, but, you know, it was just the matter of did they actually need to do this? And I still don't think they did, but, you know, he was good, so I'm not, like, mad about it necessarily, but I still think you could have definitely cast someone else. But even so, we're, we're just talking about what the movie is, and I think he's a great part of the movie. Me too. I was I was very pleasant. To, uh, pleasant. You were very pleasant. pleasant. Not, su not surprised. I was, I was. You were very pleased. Pleased. That's the word. I was very <laughs> pleased with his performance throughout the entire movie because going into it, I was kind of nervous that like, oh, it's just gonna be dark and it's not gonna have. Not that it needs jokes or anything like that. I'm not trying to be one of those people that have come out in the last couple of weeks being like, it needs to be more fun. The movie was plenty fun. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was like done very tasteful the way that the humor and the levity was used. And I thought Oz was a good way to have those moments. And it worked for me. But there's no but. Let's just keep oh, going on okay. with the characters. Should we, we talk? Have. We should we should get to actually we should get to Batman yeah. last in this Batman movie, I think. We should get <laughs> to Batman last. We gotta build you gotta build up, okay? Yeah. Um let's talk about Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman. Mm-hmm. Someone else can start this time. Respectfully. Anyway, uh, she was great. I, I, she's not, I haven't seen her in that much stuff. I was sure she would be fine, but I don't think I've seen her in too many movies. So I was curious what the character would be. And I was pretty happy with what the character was. Like, she, she has a very basic motivation that you see, like, immediately from, I guess, her second scene. Her first scene's in the, the meeting with Batman and Penguin uh, before you actually see what, what exactly she's up to. But you know that she's up to something. Um. I really like the way her character develops. I really like the relationship that she has with Batman. The uh, Falcone being her dad twist that they add bordered on being a little too much for me, but I think it worked out overall. Um, one second. Sorry, I had to let my dog no inside. No dead air. You... Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I had to bring my dog inside. Anyway, um, yeah, her, her her final confrontation with Falcone worked for me, and um, the stuff... the relationship she has with bruce helps reinforce the arcs of both of those characters through through that moment and then through the the final the third act of the movie so i was a big fan of her all the way through um 
again, the dynamic between her and Bruce is really great. I almost wish I would have been able to see more of it because in the middle of the movie, that dynamic kind of disappears. And I wish it, that would have been more of a through line throughout because it feels like there is maybe a half hour in the middle of the movie. I think it's the whole funeral sequence and the aftermath of that where you don't see her at all. And it's a long stretch without her. And we do also have a long stretch without the Riddler in like late second act when you're getting um, all the stuff where you're learning about Thomas Wayne and everything like that. So there's stretches in the movie without characters like her that feel a little long. But when she's actually on screen, I, I was a big fan of her from start to finish. Max, your thoughts? Because I, cause I agree with you about what you said, Nick. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I would echo pretty much the same stuff just because, again, I think that this is the best that this character has ever been on screen in terms of both as Selena and as Catwoman. I thought she would, she did a great job in the action scenes to be very, like, dynamic. The way that she fought uh, was very Catwoman-esque where it felt very, like, um, agile and, like, quick, um, which is something that, again, I think that you need to physicality can be something that you could do a lot of storytelling through as well right like the way that batman fights he's just in this he's just a brute force like he just walks forward and just clobbers people um versus she is far more like elegant with how she approaches the fight which makes sense for catwoman um so that was good um i thought that as selena kyle she she did a great job of like letting us in in terms of like immediately establishing herself as like a vulnerable character and somebody that's like um suffered and communicating to us like why uh she might be protective of other uh girls who are in similar situations like her because because of her upbringing and like what she has had to go through uh in her life with losing her mother and being an orphan and um yeah i just thought uh, maybe like the one thing that was a little confusing to me was in terms of like what was the attraction like why did she fall in love with bruce here um i'm not sure maybe it's just an element of like he provides her with like feeling more safe or something which is something that she hasn't had because she doesn't have anybody watching her back it's usually everybody that she's watching out for so maybe it's as simple as that uh, but again i'm going off of one viewing so i'm going to try to pay attention to that more in terms of like what was it about Bruce that was so alluring to her? Especially, again, because she only knows Batman. She, she doesn't know Bruce Wayne at all uh, or the man under the mask. So um, that's an interesting dichotomy because, again, in the comics, a lot of times uh, it, it's a developing thing where she just kind of, like, flirts with Batman and she'll utilize her flirtiness and everything to get away and, like, manipulate him. Um, into making a mistake or something like that. But here, it, it, it did seem like she was in love with him. Again, even the way that the movie ends is the, the concept there. She's like, hey, leave with me, just like The Dark Knight Rises did, right? Like, that plot's been done many a times. Like, the Telltale Batman games did that, where she's trying to entice him to say, hey, just give up on Gotham. It's not worth saving. You can't save this place. Uh, and let's just go away and live a happy life uh, outside of this. But that was probably the only weak uh, element, but I wouldn't attribute that to her. That's more about the relationship of Selena and Batman or Catwoman and Batman, however you want to uh, phrase that. Yeah, that's one of those things where I yeah. think the movie actually could have used a bit more, like just a bit more 
I don't know if explanation is the word, but just a bit more between them to make you understand why they get to that point with each other. Because they do get to that point fairly quickly. Because, um, like, assumedly she's going to be in more movies. And they already, you know, seem like they are in love at the end of this movie, even though they have to go their separate ways. So that was an interesting take. I think their chemistry is really great, which helps overcome some of the... Uh, some of the areas that are lacking in terms of getting their relationship to that point. I think they have a great dynamic throughout the entire movie. Those two actors are great together. So I think a lot of that helps make up for a lot of the the shortcomings as far as that goes. And I do like the different areas that we could explore in the future between them because like in her cup, there's a couple scenes where as she describes all everything she hates. Bruce represents everything that she actually hates in terms of, you know, everything that we know, all the surface level stuff that you know about Bruce Wayne so that's an interesting wrinkle to add as far as when she actually learns who he is down the line, which I'm sure is something that will happen. So I'm looking forward to that. This was something that I was okay with getting the taste of that we got here with the assumption that we're going to get even more and that it's going to be worth it in the end. Yeah, I was going to say um, pretty much echoing all those same st state statements, sentiments. Um, Zoe Kravitz was really good in the movie. I think her and Robert Pattinson have really good chemistry together. I would like to see more of this character. I liked the angle that they took with her being an orphan. Mm -hmm. uh, the entire movie is about orphans. Yep, pretty it's much. a through line between the three main so, characters. Yeah, it's a 100% a through line. Um, but I liked what they did with her being an orphan and then showing the ways that it's the typical, you know, we're not that different between the two of them. Of yeah. They both grew up orphans, but they had different paths to get to where they are now and those kinds of things before they do converge but what i was gonna say was i think the moment where we see like oh she loves and trusts bruce is when they're at the rooftop and she's about to kill the guy but he, he holds her and holds her back from shooting the gun because at that moment she finally just releases and trusts him fully in that moment it is going to your point it comes like after they kiss i think at that point yeah and yeah. sort of establishing all of that stuff but i think that's the moment where for me at least i can believe that she's in love with bruce is in that specific moment yeah and from there on i can buy it but i i completely can understand where you guys are saying it's a little bit rushed or not clear as to what got to that moment but for me, when we got to that moment, it was believable. Yeah, that's pretty much how I feel. Yeah. Yeah, and also, like, again, you could also explain it just as simple as, like, uh, maybe we're looking into it a bit more than um, maybe this isn't love. This could be literally just physical attraction. You know what I mean? Where because there are two characters that that's kind of what their lifestyles are like anyway. And so maybe they will build that layer of, like, love and like true affection towards one another beyond this so this could be just as simple as like oh hey i like you you like me like it, it's that it, it could be that also and then maybe like what you said manny where it's it, it's that it's just a physical attraction but then that moment where he like stops her from committing a crime and tells her like you don't have to pay again um, I think I'm paraphrasing. Maybe it wasn't verbatim. Yeah, because she because she's saying that he needs to pay, and then he says, yeah. "But you don't have to pay with him." Yeah, yeah, and uh, so it's like maybe a, a moment like that, you know, makes her more like 
um, hopeful about the people of Gotham, about the future of Gotham and things like that, even though then obviously in the latter half of the film, well, beyond that point, we see that she's still like, yo, I'm out of here. This place is yeah. a cesspool of bad people. So um, it'll going be off of that, I think maybe she sees him as like, not like codependency, but something to make her better because throughout the film, like we hear her say, like, oh, I've done this, I did that. We hear about, like, oh, you did petty crime or whatever. And it isn't until she starts hanging out more with Batman that she becomes, quote-unquote, a better person, mm -hmm. I guess you could say, because he stops her from committing the crime. By the end of the movie, she does take actions to try to stop the Riddlers. And she is ultimately trying to take down corrupt people. So it might be that she sees him as the one person that sees the good in her to try to make her better or make her feel better about herself. So that, that could also be another thing um, is that. And then the other possibility is partners, essentially, because if she can get something out of him, then it can make her feel better. And if she sort of goes on and realizes, oh, I'm really just bad without Bruce or something like that. Maybe it adds something there, but just things that could be explanations as to why towards the end, she's like the bat in the cat, it has a nice ring to it. So it could be, oh, this is someone that is going to help me get further in what I want to do. So I'm going to try to persuade them that Yeah, but way. we don't, but, we, we don't have any motivation for her beyond the fact that she wanted to no, we kill Falcone, right? After finding yeah. out like that he killed the girl. So it's like her motivation is pretty much like that's done right like yes. beyond that we know that she just committed a bunch of crimes so it's like mm -hmm. what's next for her we'll see i guess Blood, that's why Bloodhaven, maybe bro. a character like her would benefit Bloodhaven, yeah I see. Baby. it'll be interesting to see what what they find as a motivation for her right like where like what inspires her mm -hmm. to come yeah. back to gotham yeah. Yeah. What I do but, really like is that I feel like throughout the movie, those two make each other better people. I feel like Bruce's change as a person when his worldview starts to shift in the second half of the movie starts as a result of her in that first conversation on the rooftop. And that sort of begins his arc throughout the rest of the movie, like with all the stuff that happens with Alfred and everything after that. All the stuff that makes him rethink what he thought his life was and what his family was like and what the world was like. I feel like she starts that for him and he, he also helps her you know see that revenge is not the way so they make each other better throughout this movie and i think that's sort of the area where i think the relationship really shines and why they're 100%. good why they're good together yes there's a couple more relationships but we're just gonna bundle them all in one um alfred gordon and batman the big i don't know the boys the three but the boys the boys yeah the boys i could definitely see these guys like kicking back a few beers oh, playing yeah. some pool in the bat costume can you imagine <laughs> that yeah that'd be kind of fun but alfred um he has a very limited role in this movie yeah surprisingly I, for so. some as does reason commissioner sort gordon. of a, what as does commissioner gordon i i found commissioner gordon to be more involved in this movie oh, than i thought he way was way be. more involved Jeffrey Wright is the best part of this yeah. movie. That's my take. He's the, I, the I, best part of this I, movie. I agree. Really? Oh, what yeah. What did we yeah. learn about him? Nothing. We know what we what need to know about Gordon. About Gordon is the same as he's always been. He's not corrupt. He always does the right thing. That's, yeah, that's Gordon. Good. 
Like, and I just think Je- kind of Jeffrey Wright is like an awesome Gordon actor, doesn't... and he does so well with this material, I think. He's got a great interplay I'm, with Pattinson. I'm not saying he he didn't do a good job with what he was handed. I'm just saying we he basically was just the backboard for every Batman scene. He was the thing that Batman would bounce off. Basically, instead of talking in his own head, he was the inner monologue out loud. He was the one that was hearing it back. So that's like, to me, there was no... Um, like, again, when we see the establishment of, like, Gordon and, and, again, the Nolan trilogy has the benefit of a trilogy, whereas this is one movie, but this movie is three hours. Um, I just don't think—I would say Alfred is the weakest part of this film, um, and Commissioner Gordon, he's just, like, he's there, cool, but, like, to me, he doesn't in any way, like, steal any of the scenes. He has that great moment where he's talking to Batman in the— um, uh, interrogation the, room. The, the, yeah interrogation room like <laughs> that was a, a good like again moment of levity um and fun but i i don't think he, he that that character did not need to be commissioner gordon it could be anybody you know what i mean like there was no um qualities in terms of like tying it to the family tying it like um showing like elements of his frustration with gotham being corrupt so like to the bones but then uh, like in the comics, a lot of times Gordon acts as the character that keeps Batman hopeful. Like he's the guy who, because Batman believes, like, okay, well, if Gordon is still uncorrupted, then there is hope. I, I can, if we can just um, spread this uh, Gordon's uh, way of looking at the world throughout the entire police station, and then the police station uh, become far less corrupt and um spread that outwards further and further it he acts oftentimes as the thing for batman's motivation this gordon never does that he's just there so like he he did a good job i just don't think he ever was like like he could have been any officer you know like he could have just been like officer joshua and it's like okay great or detective joshua or whatever name you want to give him like he he in a similar way to like how Alfred in this movie did not come off as like a father figure to Bruce. He came off more like as a brother or someone like that. And someone that, again, like you said, did shake up Bruce in in terms of realizing that he still cares and that he he's not this like ruthless monster that he thought he had become and he's lost all sense of fear. Sure, but beyond that, again, we didn't really see any type of like establishment of like that respect or like how much he raised him and all that. We're just supposed to kind of, I think, interpret that that's probably what happened just because that's usually how things happen in the Batman universe. But after No Way Home, I never interpret anything as correct anymore because I'm like, well, until you confirm to us that that's what like he was raised as an orphan and he was crucial in his life and like they went through hardships. We can't even assume that stuff because who knows if that's the relationship they have yeah as far as gordon goes i think it works because to me gordon is always if nothing else like the consistent within that character is that he's the one person within the police department that batman always trusts and i feel like that's their dynamic throughout this entire movie is that you see how he interacts with the rest of the cops none of the other cops like him none of the other cops want him around everyone tells off gordon for for continuing to do business with batman for lack of a better term but they're always like batman's always with him and he always trusts him so to me that's the basics of what that relationship needs to be and that's what's represented here so i don't have a problem with it in that sense 
the Alfred relationship, I feel like we could have used a bit more of to make that big uh, emotional moment in the hospital later means mean a little more. I think that's a great scene, and Andy Serkis does really well on that scene, but we don't get enough between them. You get the basic dynamic, dynamic between them. You get Bruce saying, you're not my father, and Alfred taking that really, really hard because obviously he's done his best to be a father figure that he can be, but you don't really get much of that. I think you get two or maybe three scenes between them before the hospital scene, and that's kind of it. So I could have used a little bit more about that. I don't agree with you that it feels like a brother relationship or anything. I do feel like it feels like a strained father-son relationship. Like, it feels like a dad in his 40s or 50s with a teenage son who just doesn't want anything to do with him because, I mean, just because he's angry at the world. And obviously, Bruce has his reason to be angry at the world. So that dynamic, like, even though it, it could have used more, I feel like that dynamic still shines through to me as well. I think for me... um. I agree with both of your guys' takes on Gordon. Um, I think the thing with Alfred is that Andy Serkis looks too young yeah. to be Alfred in my mind. Because I always imagine Alfred joined the Waynes when he was in his 40s or 50s. And by the time that Bruce starts taking up, he's in his 70s. So that's just something with me where I could see where Max is saying that he has that brother relationship but the dynamic between the two of them worked yeah. for me as like, this is Alfred, this is Batman. I just think Andy looks a little bit too young to be him, but I liked all the scenes with Alfred and I liked how Alfred was very much involved with Batman. And I said this to Max a couple of days ago where I said, I felt like Alfred did more of the detective work than Batman mm -hmm. did at the beginning of the movie. He was the one doing all the ciphers. Um, because he, yeah, he was. Thank you. Yeah, he was the one that was doing all the ciphers at the beginning. Although like Bruce, all Bruce ciphers, saw something I mean, he didn't he, see. Though. He, yeah, no, of course, Bruce is obviously going to be the one to finish it. But Alfred felt very much on board, but not really because it it does he doesn't get on board until he sees the mayor's son. And he thinks, oh, this is Bruce as a young kid, and this is why he's doing it. So it gives him a motivation to help Bruce mm -hmm. um, for that specific time period. And then Alfred just sort of blows up for, yeah. <laughs> in the middle of the movie. I honestly thought he was dead. I'm um, like, oh, that's just what they're doing. They said we don't give a fuck about Alfred. I thought that, movies. too. Yeah. I thought that, too. But then once that scene happened, I remember, oh, yeah, this was in the trailer where, where Bruce is like, you lied to me. So then I was like, okay, oh, I, don't, I didn't see fine. that one. Um. Yes, I remember. I I it it was in one of the chairs where he's like, "You lied to me." Um. So once I remembered that that was a thing, I was like, "Okay, so Alfred's still alive." I, I, it would have been ballsy for them to kill Alfred in this first movie. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know how people would have taken it, but would have been different to shake it up. Oh, pe um, people would have been for... mad. Oh yes, hundred percent. They would have said, uh what's matt matt ruin matt ruins sure yeah, that's what that's what they would have called him um but in general i did like him i just think that he's a little bit too young to be playing alfred even though all of the characters are quote-unquote younger in this movie yeah it him in particular just sort of stands out to me in the same but, way that in the same way that rosemary harris is the platonic ideal of aunt may to me it's michael Caine is alfred to me alfred has to be like that old in my head always yes but for me i'm like jeremy irons works though alfred, jeremy irons alfred, i do really like he's a little jeremy younger irons, he's not that old well. but he's still like that age and older is what i want alfred to be ideally 
Yes, that that I will agree with. But for me, I'm like, Alfred being old makes sense. Aunt May being 95 <laughs> and being one day away from death, <laughs> cast by Rosemary Harris, has never worked for me. If Rosemary Harris and is still alive, you stop it. It's Yes, I know, Rosemary Harris is still alive, okay? She's like Betty White. She'll never die until Nick says so. Um, but it's one of those things where it's like, you say Aunt May, I'm assuming you mean someone that's the same age of, as their mom, not someone that mm -hmm. could be their grandmother. Um, whereas, like, Alfred, for me, for some reason, has always been an older character that's been with the Waynes for forever, and so he should be that Michael Caine older aged character i do like that alfred officially trained bruce i like that angle even though obviously we don't see that i like that wrinkle because i don't think that's ever actually been the canon at least not in a major movie not in a major movie no but there have been versions where alfred trains bruce or alfred was a like war soldier and he comes back and he's hardened um, so he's very strict. No, I mean, Bruce. he's always there have been those British versions. Spy. That's always been true. Yeah, like, British spy. That's what it yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. So like, but that's, they've told that through Pennyworth and Gotham, he trains him, uh, obviously from when he's a kid. Mm -hmm. Um, I think in the telltale game, I think he trains him. It, it's a common, uh, way of uh, establishing their relationship in terms of like, um, um, uh, I, I guess, like, at this point, that's the modern, like, telling is that Alfred is the one that, like, trained him up, at least in the early get-go, and then Bruce seeks out, like, more training, obviously, um, beyond what Alfred knows uh, to hone his skills even to an even greater extent. But, again, like, to me, I guess, like, how you said that you have a certain mindset for um, what Gordon Batman should be, to me, um, Bruce always respects alfred uh, this bruce did not respect alfred like he only when he's about to lose him do we see any form of like empathy that he displays but before that we see that he even for alfred he kind of just treats him like yeah like screw off i i, I don't i don't want to hear what you have to say or whatever like he's just very um because again and, and we can talk about that we can transition to batman himself specifically and start with Bruce, because to me, that's the weak part about this Batman dynamic is the Bruce side, it, because he seems. Bruce needs to have humanity and empathy, because that's the thing that grounds Batman. Batman is supposed to be this kind of like animalistic expression of the fear and the suffering that he has always experienced uh, and the trauma that he experienced from when his parents were killed. And then he wants to inflict that fear onto everybody else. And that's why you have that speech at the opening, which was beautiful. And again, that's why I think he, as far as the Batman specifically, like that side of the coin, I think this is the best Batman in live action ever done. Like he kills it as Batman. Yeah. But the one thing that I need is I need Bruce to have a little bit more empathy a little bit more humanity and again usually the way we get that is through his relationship with alfred because that's usually the relationship that we see first that's the first person that knows who he is uh underneath the cowl that's the person who knows about it longest that's why like in the dark knight and in the batman begins movies and everything when we see him like patching bruce up and like all of these things that establishes those moments like uh, of the the care 
that he puts um, into like, and, and why he's so worried for Bruce all the time and why he um, encourages him sometimes to maybe get out because he's really worried about him as a son uh, and not just as like Batman, as this like vigilante that's, you know, out there doing good, but at what cost does that come to Bruce Wayne? And so for that, we need to see Bruce show that empathy, that like um, humanity, you know, that ba that Batman lacks. Batman should not have that humanity. He should be stone cold and he should be ruthless about getting to the resolution, getting to justice. In this case, it was via vengeance and he learns that he can't just be vengeance. He needs to be hope as well, which is why, again, I'm hoping that the lesson that he gets here as Batman and will transition into more of Bruce. And again, I hope that we see some sort of a more of a mutual respect that he or respect from him to Alfred um, as somebody who like raised him and brought him up. And um, because, again, like he, he, even though he is a new Batman, he's been Batman for two years uh, or going into the second year or whatever. He's been training for years, like they've established that. So obviously, Alfred is aware of the fact that Bruce had these ideas well before he actually put on the cowl and everything, right? Yeah. Did you have anything else you wanted to say? Uh-oh. No. Oh, okay, I thought the stream went down for a second. Nope. We're yeah. good. Okay, I think we're All good. Right. I had a little little lag spike, but I think we're still good. Um, yeah, that was kind of my main issue with Bruce as well, is I, for me, I always see Bruce is, uh, sorry, I was reading what Harley had said. Yeah. I always see Bruce as the face of what Batman is trying to do, which is good. And in this movie, Bruce is stone cold the entire movie. And I know people are saying like, Oh well, he's moody and he's young and he needs to learn that. And I'm, and I'm kind of with Max. Where I'm like, but at this point, he would have been with uh, Alfred all this time. Like he would have had that gratitude and sort of knowing what he could do. For instance, the orphanage. That's something that Bruce would have a hundred percent continued to finance somehow. But in this, he, he sort of just seems completely out of anything that has to do with. Wayne, Wayne Enterprises, Wayne Tech, any of those kinds of things, any philanthropical, yep. is that how you say the word? Yep. Any yep. philanthropy work is he's just completely out of it. And you could say, well, at the beginning of Batman Begins, he's that same way. Yes, because he's away, but when he comes back, he wants to be completely involved in at least some things. Um, a lot of it is for his own gain. But we can see in Dark Knight Rises when he hears that the orphanage is closed, that's the one thing where he's like, hey, why did this happen? And Alfred's like, well, there's no money coming in. How are we supposed to <laughs> give back? So that's something for me where I'm like, Bruce Wayne was completely cold in this entire movie. And that's the difference for me between Bruce Wayne and Batman is there is a face with the, with the two of them that should differentiate them. As for Batman himself... I thought he was good. I think we, what I liked about this Batman is that he's so focused on saving people 
rather than saving Gotham. Because a lot of the times I feel like we'll see Batman be focused more so on, oh, I need to protect Gotham. I need to save Gotham. And in this movie, what we see more of him doing is saving people. At the beginning of the movie, he saves the guy from getting beat up any further. We see him save the little kid at the, even though he's Bruce Wayne at that moment, but he goes straight for the young boy when the car crashes in. He goes, um, he goes with the flare after the electrocution is about to hit the water. He risks himself to make sure that more people aren't hurt in that scenario. At the end of the movie, when the girl touches his hand, he touches it back and he holds onto it until he can't anymore because he realizes that he's a symbol for something, hopefully something good in Gotham at that point. So I liked that this Bruce Wayne was so focused on people rather than the city because that's something that looking back on something like The Dark Knight, I feel is so focused on here's a bad guy, I need to stop them rather than uh people are in danger i need to protect them so that's something that i did like about this batman compared to others that i've seen see i actually disagree with a great deal of what you guys just said um everything that you guys said didn't work is to me why this movie does work um so i'll go off what you just talked about i think in the first part of this movie he's very focused on the city he talks about in his opening monologue about how crime is actually up since he started and he's you know he politics about whether he's made a difference this whole time i feel like he's looking at the macro level in that sense throughout the entire movie and then the moment with the flares at the end is when he kind of realizes the way he can actually make a difference is to actually save individual people i think the only reason well i shouldn't say the only reason because he would do it but the main reason he saves the kid at the funeral is because he sees himself in that kid we get you get that set up in the the first scene when the mayor dies and all that so to me he's focused more on the city at a macro level at the start of the movie and then gradually he starts to see where he can really make a difference in individual people's lives to me it feels like sort of the reverse of what you said at least as far as how i saw it um as far as the rest of the movie goes uh you you both talked about bruce being too cold for you throughout the movie but to me that that is what this movie's origin story is. You know, obviously Batman begins, the origin story is he sees his parents die, he trains for years, and then he eventually comes back to Gotham to be Batman and all that. That's that origin story. To me, this origin story is, even though he's Batman, he still hasn't, sort of tying into what I just said a minute ago, he hasn't become what that what the character should represent. He's, you know, all, all the time he talks about how he's vengeance. To me, that that's the way he feels like he can help, is that he can you know, beat the criminals to a pulp or whatever, and that's the way he makes a difference. Stopping crime is what he's worried about, rather than necessarily improving people's lives. And I think that's part of, you know, him being so mad at the world throughout the movie. And I think the reason he is that way, the reason that he didn't have that better upbringing is that, as we see Alfred to be in this movie, Alfred failed him as a father figure. He said, I, you know, I think he's on the hospital bed, I can train you, but anything else, you know, I couldn't really do. So, he didn't know how to properly manage the company in Thomas and Martha's absence. He didn't know how to raise Bruce properly as a person with empathy. You know, growing up as a spy in the SAS or wherever he was, that's not something that you're necessarily taught as much. So to me, that all makes sense as to kind of why Bruce is the way he is, at least at the start of this movie. And the, the whole movie as it goes is that part of Bruce being broken down slowly but surely. And I think his relationship with Selena has a lot to do with that. And just all the revelations he makes along the way realizing that you know his parents weren't perfect like he was led to believe they were um and seeing you know like again the i don't love the third act as a whole but the moment with the flares at the end and what that represents to me that really does connect because it shows him 
again, how he can really make a difference. So I think moving forward, we'll see a Bruce more in line with what you guys talk about you wanting him to be, which I agree he should be. But to me, I think that's what the origin story of this movie is. Rather than the traditional, his parents die, he goes off to train, and then he comes back. To me, that's what the origin story of this movie is, is that he starts off as this incredibly cold, distant person who's who's angry at the world, like I keep saying, and he slowly begins to realize what his true purpose is and what he can be as the movie goes on. That's how I read it. I definitely read it the same way, but just for me, that's not... It's it's not that it's not Bruce. It's not what I want from Bruce, which is a complete taste thing. Like when we were talking about uh, Spider-Man, you know, you were saying like, oh, well, he shouldn't be this naive at this point, blah, 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 all those things. That's the same way that I feel about this version of Bruce is that I think he's just too cold. Um, but those are all semantics in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that, again, it's just a matter of like, I guess, certain preconceptions that we have for the characters, right? Like in terms of what makes the character that character for you, like, I couldn't, I didn't like Ben Affleck's Batman, right? Like, because it just did not represent to me the virtues of Batman, right? Like, this this Batman, I would argue, isn't as cold as you maybe made. Like, I think he is, he is tough and he is, um, he has a cold approach. But I wouldn't say he's cold because he stops short of killing multiple times. He stops Catwoman. He stops himself. He says, I don't use guns. He, like... He specifically multiple times like never crosses that line. Like he always stops short of of that. He'll use intimidation tactics and beat him up and whatever. But he does have a very specific code of how he does things. And so because of that, I was like, that's excellent. Like it is fully fleshed out exactly how Batman should be. He's got a code and he operates within the borders of the code. You don't step out of that. Of course, again, the realization of later on down the line where he realizes that again to me the element doesn't come from where he didn't care about the little people because again he stops a mugging on the train that's a tiny that's a there is no macro element there at all that's a very uh down on the ground boots on the ground approach where he's tackling petty crimes that's why like that opening shot of when he's narrating the fact that oh the criminals they don't know where i'm gonna show up because he will show up and stop somebody uh, just graffitiing something where like that's how uh, minute some of his encounters with these criminals can be. And so it is about the building up the um, mythology and like the allure of when the criminals see the bat signal, they're supposed to be scared because they're supposed to know that he's out, he's hunting. And if you're doing something illegal, you better watch out. And so I I thought all of that was well done, and that's why, like, again, the idea at the end there where he delivers the line with the uh, how I, I can't be just about vengeance, again, paraphrasing, uh, I have to also bring hope, because I think he realizes that you have to start, you can't just stop crime, because every time you do, there will still be uh, other psychos like the Riddler who will be motivated by 
stopping crime too. Like Riddler, by some accounts, you could say was stopping crime, right? Like he was in his own head, he was doing the right thing. He was being the hero. He stopped corruption. He stopped bad people. He killed arguably one of the worst people in all of Gotham who's killed multiple people. But Batman realizes that he needs to communicate hope to the other citizens. He needs to give them uh, hope of a Gotham that is more um, like that's why the new uh, mayor is represented representing that the idea that like oh we could have a non-corrupt mayor we could have somebody who's like actually truly trying to make this horrible horrible city better right and so that all works to me as Batman he was exceptional I, I thought he was to me the perfect Batman in live action the problem is again that it has to always be anchored with the re the way that that approach and this like methodical method works is that we then have to see on the flip side the Bruce who loves Alfred who uh, you can see like that he is this empathetic um guy that he's a human whereas when he becomes Batman he is supposed to be this uh, cold-blooded very like calculating thing he's not he's no longer a man um, until again, you can create chinks in that armor by introducing Catwoman, un Robin, and characters that make Batman then vulnerable. Uh, but if it's just Batman, and this story starts out with just Batman, uh, he hasn't let Catwoman in, he doesn't have a Robin, he doesn't have vulnerabilities as Batman. He is as Im impossibly powerful as he needs to be. But as Bruce, he is supposed to have that, like, empathy and love towards Alfred because that's the one person in his life that knows who he is, that knows what he does, that has seen him through and through, through all the bad, through all the good. And th that's the thing that was kind of like, to me, lacking is more on the brute. He can still be like, he could be an ass to people in public because that's what he portrays oftentimes as the billionaire play uh, playboy. But with Alfred, they've always had that relationship of like, father and son and that was lacking to me but again i guess it could be also just a that's what i expect from that relationship and so if it's not there it's odd and also i would say if the idea is that oh well now they'll develop such a relationship it's like uh based on what like if they didn't develop that over the course of when he was a kid and his parents died and this dude took care of him and like raised him and made sure that he uh grew up uh, a man that he could be proud of and he still doesn't respect this guy like what is it gonna take you know what i mean well to me the whole point is that the movie recontextualizes everything bruce used to think and i think part of that is the way he treated alfred and to me that scene at the hospital represents them finally getting an understanding with each other so again i'm why i'm praising this going off of the assumption and i think i like where it's going of the fact that that relationship and bruce as a whole will become what you guys seem like you want him to be which i mean i think eventually that's you know i again the platonic ideal i mentioned earlier that's what bruce wayne should ultimately be but for this take i like that he wasn't there yet because we don't usually get that i mean we certainly didn't in the nolan movies you pretty much had that entire origin story was i mean very basically fed to you from from the get-go of like this is what bruce wants to be and all his relationships were kind of set in stone immediately so I like this take. I'm. It's not just that it's different. I think it works for being for being different. But that's just me. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I'm. I'm not somewhere in the middle. I lean more towards Max, but especially like 
talking specifically about the actions of Batman, I don't agree that he was very macro-focused. A lot of it was micro, for me personally. Because, yeah, it really just is seeing him specifically go after trying to make sure less immediate people are hurt that to me was batman because in this he's definitely sacrificing himself way more in my opinion than i think in the nolan movies because he is putting himself right in the middle of people and confrontation but then you do have the macro that is what he is trying to ultimately stop but a lot of times we see him go specifically for individuals rather than the city of Gotham. Because you're right, Nick, at the beginning, he does think about like, oh, I've barely made a difference, this and that. But you can also see, well, why has that happened? And it's because he's been focused so much on the people, in my opinion, is that a lot of it has been focused on the people going to specific crime scenes with Gordon. Like a lot of it is very low scale what he's doing as Batman. Um, there is that deleted scene that Matt Reeves talked about with the unnamed um, prison mate where he says, like, oh, it's our anniversary. So, like, we know that there has been stuff happening with that as well. But to me, what I got was this is a Batman who cares about the people of Gotham, not Gotham as an idea. And that's something that I really enjoyed about this version of Batman. Yeah, I I agree. In general, like, again, uh, I think that he that is a very good point like because i guess like when you articulated it i was like yes because that makes sense like in the sense of like um this batman like even we see that he stops at nothing like when he jumps at the end there you could see it it almost felt like bro are they about to kill this guy like like you could see that he has a complete kind of like surrender to the idea of until his heart beats its final beat, he will do everything in his power to make sure that no other kid feels the way that he felt in that alleyway. And that's why, again, the scenes when he sees the, even though that mayor was corrupt, right? The one that Riddler kills. Um, you, you see that when he looks at that kid, he's like, God, I failed. Like, I, I, I failed again. Th- that's the the failures that hit him hardest and i think that again he is uh, he does realize though that you need to address at the end of the movie that you need to address the structure of why why is gotham so horrible like why does it what is it about gotham that attracts just the worst of the people from all of the rest of the world to just congregate in this one place. What is it about Gotham? Like structurally, wh- why why is it that even good men like his father sometimes are gullible and will make an evil or not an evil, but make a mistake, do the uh, go the route that is illegal, bad, immoral, whatever it is. And so uh, that I think is going to be an interesting journey to go on with this Batman to be like, okay, well, how does he address what's next for Gotham? Which is why for me, I'm hopeful that the next villain is going to be, or the next story will actually be the court of owls instead of 
hush because I think Court of Owls addresses that. It addresses that there is like a cabal that basically runs the city. And if you can remove that cancer from it, maybe the city has a chance. Yeah, that's, you know, very good points of why is Goth. And it's what Riddler is trying to get out of people throughout the entire movie is Gotham is corrupt. Here are the people doing it. Here's why, because we keep letting these things happen. So Batman might be at odds with the method that he's doing it, but because Riddler does say, hey, this is what's happening, he's now seeing more of, all right, these business people are corrupt. The cops are corrupt. My own family had secrets that they hid from people, that they hid from me especially, that I now have to rethink of, which is going to Nick's point about uh, Bruce and Batman's journey throughout the movie is the restructure of not only him, the way that he views Gotham, but ultimately the trilogy will most likely be about the restructure of Gotham itself. So interesting things to think about. Yes, hopefully that was one area that I I kind of wish they would have gone a different route. We get the scene with Falcone where he learns like everything that his dad did, um, allegedly having the journalist killed and all that. And I personally wish they would have just actually kept that as the truth and not immediately had Alfred counteract that. I sort of wish Bruce would have had to deal with the fact that his father was like not just a good man who made a mistake, but actually a terrible person. I kind of would have rather had that just for this take on this nah. character. I would have I would have preferred that because they immediately undercut that tension in the okay, in the very next scene. Motivation. What do you mean? But hold well, on, the entire movie is about lies. The movie starts off with what happens to a liar who dies or something like that, and and the answer is he lies still. Mm-hmm, the entire yeah. movie is about lies. So Falcone being the ultimate liar makes complete sense in the story because only the people that are directly affected know what's going on. So for me, him lying to Bruce and saying like, yeah, your father was a piece of scum and he did all these other things, at the end of the day, Thomas and Martha Wayne still were not perfect ideal people the way that Bruce saw them at the beginning of the movie and the way that a lot of people view them in Batman stories in general. So at the end of the day, you're still getting the fact that they were troubled people, that they had a lot of mistakes that were big. Um, So for me, it didn't undercut it. If that makes any sense. Yeah, I know. I I think as it is in the movie, as it is in the movie, you you have to keep it the way it is. You should play... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. In the movie, with everything you're talking about with Falcone, I I get that. I just think conceptually, I would like at some point for it to be that his parents are just, like, he actually learns his parents were just straight-up terrible people. I would be interested by that concept eventually, that the the entire foundation. Okay, because that's basically what they do. Yeah, Um, I I like the idea that the entire foundation of Batman is completely built on a lie. Yeah, I mean, again, to me, I, I, I don't, Again, sure. Uh, they're, they're, again, this is the point of where Batman is so malleable that they have done that. With the, that's why, like I said, that Telltale's Batman game is actually very, like, there's a lot of aspects that they borrowed. It seems like from this movie, uh, or from that game for this movie, and so they they do do that uh, as the main concept. The problem to me is that it, it removes like. Like, yes, you could do that whole idea of like, well, then is he really motivated by um, himself or was it his like parents and everything? But 
to me, like his parents represented why you keep fighting for Gotham because his parents always did. And the fact that good people can succeed, the fact that you add an, a layer of optimism to Gotham City, a, a, a city that is filled with just horrific crime, violence, murder, um, just a horrible, horrible place. But yet the Waynes were the, the shining beacon. If you take that away too, I just think that it it, it removes the the true like drive, the obsessive drive that Batman has about the fact that he, through being Batman, he is honoring his mother and father who did so much for the city. And so like, I understand the people that might like telling that, but to me, I'm like, you're removing any form of like optimism or any form of uh, good. And you just basically fully lean into just cynicism and only uh, an approach of like, oh, only cynics and only cynical like lens, I guess, of looking at Gotham where it's like, oh, well, the only reason why the Waynes were successful is because they were corrupt pieces of crap. And it's like, no, like th that was the counteract is that they were the one family that was like, look, there's other successful families. There's rich people in Gotham. Um, but the Waynes were successful and they were good people and they gave back. And that's why, like, when they die, it was like, oh, my God, like, is this the end of goodness uh, at this kind of a level? And so then it's like Bruce's job to step up and, like, carry on that legacy, which maybe as Bruce, he never, sometimes does not succeed. But as Batman, he will succeed at overturning and making Gotham better. Yeah, yeah, I, I just we think know that Nick is never cynical. I'm like, never, Nick cynical. Has never been cynical in his life. I think so at least at least not, at least it's one not a time why he would like it. Yeah, at least one time I think it would be an interesting angle for him to be the good that his family could never be, like almost be Batman in spite of that to show them what what they could have been uh, in terms of like if they were bad people in terms of their failings, he could be a symbol of what they could have been. I guess is sort of the angle that I'm looking at it from. Yeah, I mean, but you should if you like that concept. You, I think you'll like Telltale Games. I think the, I own that. I've that, never played it, but I think I own that's it. It's literally what they do. Okay, like, that's the the crux of. Well, I mean, spoiler alert. I okay, guess. no, that's fine. You but, you convinced yeah. me to play it, so I'm I'm happy. Yeah, yeah. About they that. they do they do explore like it's season one, and then the the second season they really go more into that. Okay, side of things like the impact of that. Is there anything else we would like to talk about with the Batman? Um, boom, boom, boom. The score, wonderful. He put his mussy jacussy into that score, Manny. I know he did. <laughs> I, I I think that that's, uh, you know, like one of the things that a modern superhero movies, except for like the Avengers score, you know, um, we don't have like an iconic. Like, you know, when you think of the older movies in general, like whether it be Star Wars or Jurassic Park or the Batman 89 movie, um, Spider-Man, like there's a specific like tune, right? That we um, very clearly like identify with those films, uh, Jurassic Park, Indiana Jones, you know, the list goes on in like this new crop of superhero movies we didn't really have that except for again with the exception of i would say maybe like the avengers um score Wonder woman Wonder woman yeah 
yeah that's true that was catchy too so like i i love how this score is doing that like I i've heard multiple like normies who barely watch superhero movies go around and go bomb 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 so I, I like that this scores this like is going to become synonymous with this take on batman yeah i'm not always the biggest michael Giacchino fan i think he's usually pretty good but never really makes a huge impression for me and i wouldn't say i necessarily love the score but i do appreciate that at least our three main characters batman catwoman and, and riddler each have their own individual motifs that that show up every time that they show up on screen so i appreciate that we at least have that it has more of a concerted interest in actually giving you motifs that you recognize when you're when the characters that you want to see pop back up so i appreciate that there seems to be, just in general have been more effort put into the score than you get in most big movies now i agree man um <laughs> no no i agree it, it's, okay. it's a good score maybe i have this thing of like i think that motif is used so much in this movie it's a bit heavy to where like a, it's very heavy in this movie of just oh here's a musical sequence um or no like here's a sequence boom there's the batman score it's the same issue that i kind of have with spider-man ps4 is that as soon as you start swinging that score comes on immediately and it just starts swelling up and that's kind of how i felt with this movie is like batman come you see the boot of batman bomb 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 you see the rain start falling exactly Let's go, baby. I have that same issue with the Tom Holland Spidey movies. Like, it's not a, it's not particularly memorable, but they play his theme so much that it's always in my head because I feel like they play that ad nauseum in those movies. It's kind of the same, although I prefer this to that, even though I think that's Giacchino, too, that does Giacchino those Giacchino did it as well, yes. Yeah. Um, no, I, and I agree And he's going to be directing prefer, Werewolf prefer... by Nine. He's Is he? He's directing yeah. something? He's directing? Yeah. yeah okay. That's he's going to so be the weird. director for um, the Werewolf, Werewolf movie by that you're doing. Yeah. on disney plus never heard of this movie that should be interesting mm -hmm. but um yeah no it was a good score it's one of the better giacchinos in the in recent years that i can think of okay. if anything it, it, it'll definitely be memorable yeah you know what i mean so, yes so it'll be memorable it has, this will like, for good or for bad it'll be memorable yeah it'll go down like what you're saying is like the danny elfman batman and spider-man score i'm sure that this will sort of be in that same thing of like oh remember how good the batman score was and just have that be synonymous with batman for a couple years you know maybe until the next reincarnation of batman whatever yeah. that ends up being when you said mm. for good or for bad i immediately thought of the inception score <laughs> because everybody remembers that oh, score whether they like it or not yeah okay um, i was gonna ask the interstellar um, score yeah the interstellar um, score um i was gonna ask before we close the book we've talked about major stuff are there any particular scenes or moments that really stood out to you guys that we haven't brought up not not because of the movie but people on tiktok are making fun of the way that zoe kravitz walks when she's in the club like her her shoulders are very prominent hmm. in there and the hair is always like bouncing as she I like walks it. through i like so, it no it, it's it's something that I just that people are noticing. Yes, respectfully, of course. Yes, uh, JB will be happy to hear that. Um, I think I think it's important. Like th that was. Uh, remember when I said about her physicality? Like that's what I like. Yes. I like that she even walked like a cat, sort of. Like you know how cats will walk with this kind of like attitude of like I'm better than you. Like she had that too, where she would just like even the way she walks was like perfectly like 
to Catwoman. You know what I mean? Like it was just her own like walk. She was unlike all the other members of Gotham City. She stood out, you know? So yeah, uh, I, I think that it's really cool when uh, actors choose to like focus on even such minute details, you know, like as like, how do you walk? How do you uh, fight? How do you like, you, you know, all of these elements. I think it's, it, that's what makes a character feel more real is when they have all those like extra layers. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Were there any memorable oh, moments? Um, we didn't really talk about the actual third act action set piece itself. Um, no. In in uh, Gotham Square Garden, which I'm still laughing at. Gotham Square Garden. Uh, I wasn't yeah. a fan of it. I thought I thought the yeah. entire movie looked excellent, like lighting, cinematography. Until that. Yes. Section? It, it looks so okay, out, so whack, so out of place. It looks okay. so horribly CGI'd. I, you could convince me that entire third act was like a COVID reshoot, and you, and I would 100 percent believe you. See, I don't know, like, it's definitely the lighting is completely different. Yeah. And I'm like, well, they're in They just arena. don't blend into the background anymore. I can buy anymore. it to a certain point. Yes. Like, I'm like, okay, I can buy the lighting up to a certain point because, like, oh, they're in an arena. It's a mayoral campaign. It'll be different. But something about it did just look completely off compared to the rest of the movie for me. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, especially for a movie that, to me, did such a good job having visual identity. Like, I know it's become, like, a tweet that everyone's been saying the last couple of weeks, but, I mean, the Nolan movies had no visual character for Gotham. It literally was just Chicago or Pittsburgh, wherever, Chicago. wherever they were shooting yeah. uh, that particular movie. Um, like, it's just the city. Like, that's just what Gotham is. It's a human city. I appreciate that, like, this movie's Gotham, while it's still that, does at least have its own visual identity and visual flair. Because that's something I yeah. especially liked about the Burton movies is that, you know, they had that whole, that whole first movie is a very industrial look for Gotham. The second movie is like a very gothic, uh, a gothic style that it has. So, like, I appreciate when Gotham has its own identity and this movie brings Gotham back to that, which I have, I don't feel like we've had since the Burton Schumacher era, which, I mean, I appreciate. Even though I feel like the third act, it feels weird compared to that. It still works as a whole because I think they actually give Gotham some character. Yeah, this visualization of Gotham reminded me the most of Arkham Knight. Yes. Um, Gotham. But it was interesting because I, when they showed, like, the first shot of Gotham, I'm like, oh, that's England. <laughs> like, I just, <laughs> I was like, okay, so that's the UK. Just something about, like, the architecture. Yeah, I I'm get like, it. like, okay, so that's, so that's somewhere over there. So immediately I was like, that's England. That's not Gotham. That's <laughs> England. Uh, just to me. But yeah, I, I felt this was like the most Gotham Gotham has felt in a while. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think ever in live action, for sure. There's never been in the comics. Like people like to say that Gotham is a character. And I, Nolan used to love to say that on all the behind the scenes stuff for his trilogy, but it wasn't really. Whereas here they really do make the city a character in terms of how it looks, how it feels what it attracts, um, how it's run from the politics to the police to the uh, people in power. Um, they definitely do a much better job of presenting it as like a character. All right. That about it for our Batman talk. Nick, was there anything that stood out for you or did you want to just talk about the Gotham? Um, well, yeah, that was one thing I remembered because I remembered I'd forgotten to talk about the third act and talking about the third act reminded me of that point that I wanted to make as well. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to think of little moments that I appreciated. Uh, 
again, it's a lot of just the back and forth between Gordon and Batman was a highlight to me. Yeah. Like when he's like, I, th- I thought you said you were going to pull your punch and he's like, I did. There's my, uh, there's my Batman voice. Um, yeah, like little yeah. moments like that throughout the movie and like the twins of the Iceberg Lounge, we get the recurring bit with them. I liked that too. It's like little, little the comedy beats. Teen Wolf. Oh, of course they are. A <laughs> fucking course they are. The, 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 the twins are uh, twin alphas from Teen Wolf. Okay. That, so when I saw them, I'm like, Ethan and Aiden? Sure. But yeah, uh, no, I, I, li- I liked them in the movie as well. Yeah. I was surprised that they kept coming back as often as they did. Yeah, rule of threes. They showed up three times, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, for me, like the things that stood out were Batman just saving people. That's really what stood out to me because we don't, in my opinion, we don't see it often. So him going out of his way to save specific people, like individuals, that meant something to me and stood out. Yeah. I I think the whole, uh, bomb sequence at the funeral was an excellent sequence of tension. And I still felt it the second time I saw the movie. It's, it's a really long sequence, but I think it holds that tension really well. I think that might be the best individual sequence of the whole movie, personally. That was one thing I also forgot to mention. For me, it's the it's the it's the long shot when Penguin starts yelling, "I got you, I got you." That shot takes too long. <laughs> it could go it could go five seconds less and be better. This guy's crazy. Why do you sound like Scooby Doo when you're doing your Penguin voice? Uh, that's the Mad Hatter. Get it right. Oh, okay, okay. So sorry. Uh, I think no, that, but I, I, I think, think that pretty that. much wraps up our Batman talk. We've only talked for an hour forty about Batman. Oh yeah, only an hour. Basically, 40. the length of the movie. <laughs> oh no, we st- uh, we're no, still we only still we're, we're barely hour. halfway there. <laughs> yeah. Well, strap in, everybody. Here we <laughs> Here go. We go. All right. But that's pretty much it on the Batman. Yeah. We all, in general, recommend it. Yeah. If you've gotten this far. Not um, in general. Definitely recommend it. It's a fantastic movie. I, I don't think anybody's going to watch this movie and be like, oh, well, that was a waste of time. Like, you might no, have it things won't be that you might dislike. It's, it's, it's legitimately very entertaining. It's uh, well-paced. It, again, the endings and maybe it could have been a little bit shorter and um, things like that. But, like, by, by most things that the average person would judge a movie – this is a good movie. Yeah, I would say so. It's objectively yes, very good. And, and I like that DC keeps just letting directors do what they want. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Oh, the last thing I was going to say. Oh, boy. Um, this well, that was is a, a perfect example of how you can do a Daredevil story and keep it PG-13. And that's all I'm going to say. Because it was moody. It was dark. Um, it had a good arc for the character that was very serious. And it was, uh, and it worked in general. And I think you could do the same thing with Daredevil, and you can have Kingpin be a very menacing character, and you don't need to show him cutting people's heads off with car doors. And I think this is a great example of how a PG thirteen Daredevil could work. That's all I'm possibly. gonna say. Possibly, yes, yes I agree. Possibly. The, the only problem is I could hear people who are very religious find if they do the. Because one of the things that makes Daredevil, yeah, is is the whole concept of Catholicism. Yeah, yeah, uh, how tough Matt has, like, what he struggles with that, like his religion and what he does. Uh, And so, uh, again, that's all up to, like, how far they go with it, right? Because for a lot of people, that could be, like, a sensitive topic. So, Um, 
anyways this was just proving that you could do in my opinion you could do that kind of story and keep it pg-13 you know barring you know that you'll get criticism from groups and stuff whatever but um other than that um max while we still have you here is there anything that you're looking forward to coming up could be movies, could be comic runs, could be games, could be manga, oh, could uh, be the finale Chip of Zdarsky. Attack on Titan. Uh, Chip Zdarsky is going to be writing Batman, so I'm excited for that. Uh, they're going to have, um, oh my gosh, what's his name? Uh, I don't remember his name. Dang it. I forget who it is, but it's a really good artist as well, so I'm excited for that. Uh, Christopher Priest uh, is coming back to write Black Adam, so that's going to be freaking cool. Um, that should be a fun read. Um, beyond that, Gotham Knights, that's like a little further out, of course. Uh, Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga, I am very excited now. Like, unbelievably excited, um, for that game. 20 days. I think, I think we're in for a pretty awesome time with that title, but, uh, very excited for that. Um, uh, very excited for hopefully to on a more serious note. I hope that we have a, a bit more peace in the world. Yeah. Um, after the chaos that we've had the last little while, um, so hopefully, I'm hopeful for that more than anything. Yeah, I definitely uh, echo a mm -hmm. lot of those sentiments. You're excited for a good state of play, maybe. <laughs> Uh, yes, and um, maybe, I don't know if this is going to air again at, at another time besides the live edition, but maybe that Hogwarts game looks good too, based on whenever this airs, because that may or may not be happening tomorrow, so hmm. maybe that'll be a good state of play. We should have this up tomorrow. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Hopefully it's a good state of play. I'm always rooting for Sony. We need one. We need one desperately. <laughs> The last couple have been, uh, listen, Bad. the Gran Turismo one was good. The Gran Turismo one was focused. It knew its audience. It wasn't trying to do anything other than Gran Turismo. Yes. And, and the, last who one, knows? Maybe this Hogwarts one will be similar, right? Like if, if it's, if they're dedicating a whole state of play to it, that yeah. could be exciting. You know, I think they said 30 minutes, 12 minutes gameplay, I think is what I heard, but that's I could be pretty wrong. good. That's pretty good. Yes, dude. no, that that's because that how much longer are people gonna watch gameplay? Like, you know, that's why like when they when they showed Gotham Knights, remember they did a similar thing. They had like a trailer, then a little bit of like developer talk, and then it was like a gameplay. eleven minutes of gameplay of like Batgirl doing the mission with Mr. Freeze. Um that I was like, perfect. This is great. I don't want to get spoiled on everything, but you know, give us kind of an idea of what the game's like wonderful sign me up yeah that's that's good and sony usually is good about doing gameplay reveals they did a good one with horizon and god of war the first one well first yeah. of the new duology that came out <sighs> nick is there anything you're looking forward to i thought you were gonna say nick kirby uh, yeah kirby's next <laughs> week i'll play that i thought you were gonna say nick is there anything that you want to talk about as far as the playstation state of play i'm like oh so much i'm i want to talk about oh, so much playstation you. stuff um all the playstation yeah what what's coming up so lego star wars i'll probably get 
Um, Kirby, I'll, I'll be getting. I'll probably be streaming. Definitely get Lego Star Wars. Yeah, I'll probably I'm be streaming down. Kirby on here next weekend and then beyond, depending on how long that game is. Um, Kirby, Kirby, Kirby. He's the star of the show. Kirby, Kirby, Kirby. Does anybody want that? No. No. I was going to let you keep going, though. <laughs> oh. Yeah, me too. We could have clipped that whole thing out. Yeah, there was a cartoon where he. What was it called? Kirby All Star, maybe, or something like that. Kirby, Kirby All Star is also the name of a game. Yeah, so it, was like, it, was the, it was the collection game, I think, on the Super Nintendo. I want to say. Yeah, Kirby is uh, underrated. I never, Kirby is underrated. Never actually played a Kirby game. I played a little bit of like the one of the NES ones on the Switch app thing, but I've never actually played mm-hmm. a Kirby game. And this is the first 3D Kirby, so it feels like a good place to start. Yeah, Mario Odyssey, but Kirby. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to that one. What else is coming up? Everything Everywhere All at Once is also next weekend. Looking forward to going that's to see next that. Next weekend. I'm looking forward to that as well. Yeah. That's a that's a very stacked Friday for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw that trailer again when I went uh, to go see uh, Batman today. I'm very excited for that movie. Yeah, me too. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. Mid-April, we've got Fantastic Beasts. The, uh, what's, what's it called? The Secrets of Dumbledore. Not really looking Secrets forward to that, but I'll go see it probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's really it as far as like on the immediate horizon. There's really not much, because I'm trying to think. You're not looking forward to Sam Raimi's Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness? Not really, no. Yeah, I figured you wouldn't be. No. Although people did show show some side-by-sides of that movie versus No Way Home, how how Doctor Strange looks. I'm like, it's better. It still doesn't look good to me, but it's better. There's at least a bit of composition there and a bit of actual lighting, because, you know, we don't have to get into it. Yeah, I don't want to. <laughs> I'm on I'm on Twitter enough yeah. to where I see this every day. Yeah. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. It it's like I was, you know, just of the opinion, like it's you know, Sam Raimi being being involved in that movie doesn't matter. And I still don't think it really will ultimately. But, you know, some moments will probably look better than they would otherwise. Yeah. Which it is what it is. Uh, Max Harley says, I remember the animated show Kirby right Let's back at go- you, but I don't Absolutely. remember the song. Yes, it was so catchy. It was like, Kirby, 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 that's the name you should know. Kirby, Kirby, Kirby. He's the star of the show. Da-da-da-dee, da-da-doo-doo-doo-da. Kirby. 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 It was pretty good. <laughs> I told you, you the link for it. Oh, I'll tell you something else that's happening. We get Mario yes. Kart DLC on Friday. Do we? I think the first wave is on Friday, March 18th. You're actually doing the Mario Kart stream? Are, are no. we? Yeah, March 18th, I, I looked yesterday. I looked at the track list, and it's like, some tracks I don't care about, and some Mario Kart Tour tracks, but fuck it, I'll get it. I don't fucking care. I'm a shill. Nice. That's right, you are. I like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the last, time, the last time that Max did a Mario Kart stream, I absolutely We don't need to him. talk about it. We don't need to talk about it. <laughs> need to get the, the... the stream will die when you and I do Mario Kart, Manny. That is just 100% going to happen. Oh, 100%, yes. Yeah. But, oh, man, now I need to go buy Mario Kart DLC. Fine. Yeah, it's like 25 bucks. I'll do I think. it. Mar- it's Mario Kart. It's one of my favorite games. Yeah. Mario Kart Mario that Kart. That is my fucks. Smash Brothers. Yeah. We still need to do a Smash stream, too. Yes. I've only played like 800 Max, hours. Would you like game. to do a Smash stream again? <laughs> uh, I'm pretty good at uh, Kirby, actually. Kirby was my mm. main. Kirby and Bowser. Kirby, Kirby, Those Kirby. Those my two go tos. So. I'm a King DDD and Toon Link, Toon Link guy. Those are my two mains. Somebody in chat player. said that we should shout out Blapped Grandma. So shout yeah. out to Blapped. Uh, yeah, Blapped was the shout person in chat. Yeah. 
Hey, Blapp. <laughs> hey, Blapp. Shout out to your grandma, by the way. <laughs> Shout outs. Come on, man. Should we talk about wrestling Is real quick? Is that it? Yes, yes. Talk about wrestling. Okay. So what's the AEW thing you want to talk about, Manny? Oh, I was making a Tay Conti joke. Oh, okay, okay. Her name's actually pronounced Ty. I. There you go. Tyanara Conti. Yes. Um, yeah, WrestleMania's in like two weeks, two and a half weeks, something like that. It's is a, it really? Yeah, it's April 2nd, April 3rd. Yeah. God. It's a Cody t- Rhodes is coming back next week, supposedly. Yeah. He'll, I'm, my, to wrestle Seth Rollins. My official guess is that he will not show up until WrestleMania itself. They will drag out this thing until WrestleMania. I don't really care or, either way. Or they save him as the Monday Night Raw surprise. Yeah, but they've been right? they've been doing they've been saying they'll do that for like three weeks now. Yeah. Again, I don't really care. Like, I'm just sort of like, usually I don't actually follow. Like, I followed WWE, but I don't really watch the shows until like two weeks before a pay per view, then I'll start catching up on them. But week to week, I'm not really watching. So like, I hear most of the stuff that's going on, but. WrestleMania yeah, is, is, is uh, not and not exciting. Me. WrestleMania and Royal Rumble usually; yeah. those are the two that I'll watch because they're usually pretty good. Yeah, the they Rumble the Rumble's be, almost always fun. This year sucked game. though. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. We had fun. We watched it all together. We made fun of uh, everything. Yeah, I, I discovered uh, I discovered uh, Otis, who's like a legend. Otis is awesome. And Chad, Chad, Chad Gable, and Otis. Ch- were... Chad Gable. Those two are <laughs> the best. <laughs> So Chad Gable funny. is like the no closest funny. thing to a Kurt Angle reincarnation we've ever had, and Kurt Angle is my favorite wrestler of all time. So I love Chad Gable; he's perfect in yeah. the ring and out. Very he's he's awesome. Very entertaining. He so, he may or may not get a spot on WrestleMania. We'll see what happens with him. But yeah, I'm kind of apathetic about this year's WrestleMania card. Honestly, honest to God, Johnny Knoxville versus Sami Zayn is probably going to be the match I'm looking forward to most because they're having so much fun with that match, and it's infectious. That's what I got. I would, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm. I, I'll watch it. I. I, I know that uh, Cody Rhodes is supposed to come back yeah. to wrestle Seth Rollins. I know that Brock is wrestling Roman for both titles. Yeah. I know that Ronda Rousey, obviously, after the Royal Rumble, is back uh, against Charlotte. Charlotte, right? Yeah. Charlotte. Yeah. I could not possibly care so, less about that particular match. I have not. Um, I have not cared yeah. for Charlotte in a long, long time. I mean, I think she's just one of those like she's super talented. So it, it, it's, it, I, I don't know. Like she, she's just probably too pushed too much. You know, she has like the John Cena syndrome where uh, she's really good, but th- th- she's just so overexposed that it makes her feel like less special as a performer. Well, it was weird because, um, like, in 20, like, she was gone for, like, the second half of 2020. She was gone for, like, six months, and then she came back, and immediately she, like, everyone was already tired of her again. And I was, too. It's, like, as soon as she's back, like, she's just, just kind of nothing. She's, like, a black hole of charisma to me. Like, I think she's, a like, a great athlete, but I've never thought she was a good talker, and I've never thought there's been much to her as a character. But she's a star, I suppose. So we'll we'll have her for as long as she wants to wrestle, and she'll be in this position. Yeah, I don't know. I I do think she's, she. I, I again, I think she's like the comparison to Cena, where it's like yeah. there's a certain like uh, audience that loves the character, and then once you get to a certain age, you 
just you're like oh that's boring you know like i want somebody who's like more gritty and realistic or whatever yeah and so that's how you transition from being a john cena fan to be a cm punk fan or something like that yeah and so it's similar effect with her where it's like if you want you know the superstar it's charlotte if you want somebody who's like more gritty and like actually a really good performer and like has that edge you probably become a fan of like sasha or something like that so we talking sasha yeah i was gonna say sasha where's manny <laughs> sasha's in yeah, like a respectfully sasha's in like I mean, a big insane. multi-team tag match at wrestlemania Dude, yeah especially like she is like she's crazy crazy talented so. yeah ggs and she's on mandalorian mm. eating whatever the heck that warm thing was so, excuse she, me. It was like a squid. <laughs> yeah. It was like remember she ate like yeah. a No, worm. I do. I don't. I really don't. You don't remember this? No. It's when Mando goes back, uh, she, like, like towards the end of the season. Thing. Yeah, and she's yeah. eating a soup. And okay. She, like, slurps up a tentacle. Yeah, it's really like nasty. Oh, if Elena's in the chat, they're gonna, they're gonna, uh, their ears just perked up. You said tentacle, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember that. Yes. I don't. I I know she was in Mando in those couple episodes with Katie Sackhoff, but I don't remember anything she's she actually did. Yeah, she's gonna get. Uh, she's even getting a Hot Toys figure, like one of those yep, really fierce Costco. I saw that. Yeah. So you know her last name that, is in that show. Rare. Reeves. Yep. Reeves. That, that that's Costco my that's Reeves. my name, guys. That's what it she's is. my cousin. She and Matt Reeves and Keanu Reeves were a big family. And Snoop Dogg as well is her cousin. Yeah, Snoop yeah. Dogg is, I guess, your cousin, cousin as well. Yep. But, like, second cousin or cousin once removed, however that works. Okay. And they're still cousins. Yeah, They I guess. still claim each other all the time. Manny, okay. at, but, no, at no point did we do the Matt Reeves video at, in, in this, in this episode. I know. We, we never did. I meant and to, I meant to do it really at some sad. point. I meant to just, like... There were a couple times where I wanted to do it as well. When you threw it to me, I wanted to take a five-second break and say, interesting. No. Um. Um. No. Should I pull it up and actually that, play that it for the people? Be, yes, that might be my favorite thing that has come out of the Batman. Yeah. Has been that interview. Yeah, it's not the Riddler memes. It's that. No, it's that. It's definitely that. They're in an interview, and someone asks him, "They're like, so do you think like you guys are? Sorry, guys, a quick spoiler for the Batman. So do you guys think like you're setting up the mayor's son to be Robin because <laughs> you know an orphan and all that stuff?" And he just goes, "Interesting. Um, no, no." <laughs> And then he starts laughing. That has been my favorite thing that has come out of the Batman so far. I've I've tried not to overuse it. Um, no. <laughs> that that sounds right. It's the th it's the smart. three second break smart. between um and no. Like, what's he thinking yes. in those three seconds? Well, he's thinking like, can I get in trouble if yeah. I answer this? <laughs> like, is this going to be something that Warner Brothers is going to be mad about? Um. I guess not. No. Yeah, and he's like, no, no. But uh, the the day that I got that video, Nick asked me, "So do you want to do something tonight?" And I said in that video. Yeah. And we ended up doing something that night, even though you said you weren't we going to be able to. We did end up doing something that yeah, night. Yeah, you liar. Yeah. Fucking Matt Smith. Sorry. Damn it. I knew that it would come back at some point. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a couple of questions in chat. Blapped says, "What's your favorite football club?" Uh, you know, FC Barcelona, the they're going City through Church. a little bit of a rebuilding. They're going through a rebuilding phase right now, but you know, they're they'll, they'll come back. Next season's going to be a good season. They're just rebuilding this season. Nice. Nice. Good answer. Very good answer. Kansas City Chiefs. 
What? That's wrong. No, no. I don't. I don't watch that other sport. I don't. Have, I don't have an answer. Football. Mm. It's literally football. Okay. I hate that football is called that here in the U.S. It's so stupid. Okay. Anyways, it, this is only furthering my hate thing to do. Yes, you know? it really is. They're like, yo, listen, we're gonna call this sport football, and we don't care. It's the most like the same as like not wanting to use the metric system. Like same thing. Just like yo, oh, yeah, because we use the freedom system over here. We ain't gonna use that, cause America. Yeah. It's like okay, guys. Sir, sure. Don't get. Harley says, on a scale from ten to twenty, how great is Manny's new haircut? Manny's gonna Nick? say like Manny's gonna say like a two or three because he's not a fan of this haircut. It's not that I'm not a fan of it. It's just I don't know. It's not hitting as much as it used to. You look like you're about to be the hottest candidate at a job interview. That's what you look like now. Well, yeah, it's a fresh cut. <laughs> Your hair, your hair was kind of crazy as it as it was. Oh, for as long as I've known you. Uh, shout out to uh, and condolences uh, on the wrestling talk to Razor Ramon. Oh family, yeah, Scott Hall. Scott Hall's family. That really sucked. And he rests in peace. Yeah, I saw like, I mean, I knew he was influential, but like the amount of outpouring I saw from like fans and like all all the wrestlers of today were inspired by him in one way or another, and it was like it didn't actually hit into perspective for me until I saw that outpouring. Cause like I've yeah. I've seen some of his work I've 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 been fine with what I've seen but he's never been someone that I've followed his career too closely I haven't seen most of his WCW or his early uh, WWF days but he was influential for a lot of people. Yeah. So Jay always like, "Hey, hello, Chico. Say hello to the bad guy." He was so effortlessly cool that no one cared that a white guy played a Cuban character, and that takes a lot. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh. Here comes old sure. Nick Reeves. What? I'm kidding. What? Not I'm a, speaking for a, other people here. It's a joke. Okay. Wrestling is full of um, stereotypes. I can we can fill the le- the last hour with me talking about stereotypes in wrestling. We could. Oh man, you could cut that right there and have Nick say we could fill the last nope. hour of me talking about stereotypes. <laughs> oh <laughs> boy. No. Mm, interesting. Interesting. Um, um, no. No. Oh, you didn't pause long enough. I forgot the yeah, interesting. You rushed part. through it. Yeah. <laughs> I jumped. Yeah. It's okay. Edith said. Is anyone else? Edith said you'd be looking yeah. fresh. Thank you, Edith. Hey. It was Edith's Edith. birthday yesterday, so happy birthday to Edith. Ha- by the happy way. belated birthday, Edith. Yes, I did make sure to send that message. Does anyone else in chat have any comments we can answer? Questions, know, comments, concerns. Yeah. You have any concerns about the Blapped show? Said no. Okay. Thanks, Blapped. <laughs> you know, I mean, what Blapped what says goes, comment. guys. So, I mean, you, you just gotta just. said you asked, bro. Now. I answered honestly. <laughs> yeah. He's just like, just end it. <laughs> Let's see. He um, says, when will you play Unite with Edith and when will Mini Max play the SMP? Oh, I, thought, um, I don't know I, when I'll play Unite with Edith again. I thought that said Simp. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's like, it's a Minecraft thing. Bro. I got it. Okay. Somebody in my I was streaming today as well. Somebody in my chat, her, their name was Oompa Simpa. Hmm. I was like, okay, that's a play on uh, Oompa Loompa. Yeah. Oompa Loompa. Yeah. Oompa Loompa. Like, y'all excited for name. y'all excited for that new Willy Wonka movie with Timmy Shells? 
No, but there was just something else that I was thinking of that you were that you could get excited for, Nick, and now I can't remember what it was. And Oompa and Oompa Simp is what made you remember it? Surprisingly, yes. I have no idea what the hell you're talking about now. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Overwatch 2 beta is coming yeah. up. It's something in April. We got the Halo series, which is next week. Um, Halo's next week, yeah. Not that it'll be good, but that's a thing. I don't remember what it was, but it was something. Is there a new game now, in April? Oh, uh, baseball? Um, MLB, yeah. MLB the show, but that's not what I was thinking of. There was something else. Anyways, it doesn't matter. He'll remember it, and he'll DM me at 4 a.m. Uh, can we talk about that real quick? Yeah, let's talk about that. The message. <laughs> okay, so I sent you a message. Uh, was it Monday night? Yeah, Monday night into Tuesday morning. It was five a yes, like I five sent... o two a.m. for me, three o two a.m. for you. It really. Anyways, I sent you a message talking about a movie that's getting uh traction again because Twitter is yelling about stuff, and I sent you a very heated message, essentially saying. People need to shut up. I'm sick and tired of this. I'm never watching this movie at this point. Um, and then you saw it, you know, early morning or whatever. You didn't have your glasses up, so yeah. you looked at it. And then you asked me a question later. Yeah, it was like five hours later that I actually responded because I had to drive a couple hours to work. It was, by the way, it was 12, 12 a.m. for me. Oh, I'm so I woke saying. up at 5 a.m. and I saw it. Okay, I'm yes, sorry. you woke up at 5 a.m. and saw it. Yeah. And then you sent... Uh, you had asked like hey can you like you want to do this or whatever and then i said um did you not read my message this morning <laughs> yeah. and you said i read it this morning at 5 a.m with no glasses <laughs> on can you pull up the image that i sent oh you? pulled up on oh the image you sent me yes okay can you pull that up real quickly yeah because i'll save it and i'll put it up on obs give me a second yes, folks. because you because you said I forgot this detail from five a.m. with no glasses. I'm sorry. And Hold I on, said, the image I sent you, you or really the one the one you sent me? No, the one that I sent. Okay, you. Here, the me... very obscure reference. Yes. Here. Um. There I'm you go. I, it's okay. most recent. Okay. Well, yeah, that also works. To which I said, "You really said," and then sent this image, and your reaction was, "Oh my God, is that the blank?" And I said, "Yes." yes. I pulled deep from my cuts. <laughs> to which you responded with. Christ, what a reference. I don't know whether to be impressed, ashamed, or both. Was that uh, wrong? No, because it's such a dumb reference that no one but me probably would have thought of in that specific scenario. Here we go, folks. Um, this is the image in question. It's going to be a little pixelated. Here we go. It'll be on your OBS here in a second. There's your Picasso painting. Yeah. <laughs> Encoding overload. So this is a still from the 2009 Disney film uh, G-Force uh, with a bunch of hamster spies or whatever they are. I don't know what they officially are. But uh, yeah, you sent me this in response. And I had literally, I saw this movie in 2009 in like school or something. I had literally not thought of this movie in the ensuing 13 years. Not once. And you sent me yeah, this out I... of the fucking blue. Why was this movie on your brain? <laughs> It wasn't. I just think of like no spectacles, speckles the mole from. By the way, we don't see it in on stream. Um, speckles the mole from G Force. That was just the thing that came to mind because Nicolas Cage. Oh, there you go. Now I see it. Okay, you're just um, delayed. Okay, so I'm just delayed. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. There's speckles from G Force, the 2009 classic, where there's a bunch of guinea pig spies, <laughs> and 
Zach Galifianakis. Oh, that's Zach, who it is. Zach Galifianakis is working for the government. <laughs> what was that? Did you just have a seizure? Yeah, I have a little. Not I had a little not seizure. Not for some yeah, reason, Zach I was remembering Nick Cage being in this movie. Nick Cage is the mole. Oh, is he? <laughs> yes, and the mole is literally the mole of the operation too. <laughs> okay, so that's one thing I remember. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I uh, we, we were talking about this yesterday in uh, in our Discord and. This was the answer. I was talking about G-Force, the yeah. 2009 animal film G-Force. Yeah, I think we said to everyone in the Discord, he, if we gave you uh, literally one million guesses, you would still not get it. I was not exaggerating with that number. I don't think anyone would have thought of this. No. Absolutely no, not. me. Holy shit, the cast, <laughs> the cast in this movie. Sam Rockwell, John Favreau, Tracy Penelope Morgan, Cruz. Penelope Cruz, Nick Cage, D. Bradley Baker, of course. He's got to be in there somewhere. Bill Nye, Will Arnett, Zach Galifianakis, Steve Buscemi. Uh, okay, that's pretty much it in terms of the major characters. Steve Buscemi is Mooch? Bucky, is Bucky the Hamster is what it says for Steve Buscemi. Oh, okay, yeah. He, he's the D. One Bradley Baker is Mooch. D. Bradley gotcha. Baker yeah, that makes Mooch. more sense. Yeah. I'm like, why would he be Mooch? But yes, I am. I had forgotten about Sam Rockwell, but I remember this now. I can remember. His, I can remember that voice now. Speaking of Sam Rockwell, Nick, when are we gonna do that Iron Man two commentary? <laughs> right now. I mean, I got time. Okay, we can skip Incredible Hulk and just do Iron Man two for funsies. I kind of want to. I kind of want to now too. <laughs> We just planned something uh, right now on the show, folks. I think I think we're gonna do yeah, it. Guys, we're probably we're probably about to go watch Iron Man <laughs> two right now. What a delightful film! Oh, I can't wait. I really uh, like that our stream is gonna end with that G Force image. And also, I'm gonna have to go in when I edit this now uh, for the YouTube and everything. I'm having to go in and get the image and put it in where I need to put it. I'm gonna have to do more work now because of this. Yeah, probably. Blap Blapped but, um, is done because his brain hurts. I'm I'm with you, Blapped. I haven't thought about this movie this in 13 why, years. This is why you can't make any jokes because <laughs> then nope. you bring more work for yourself. Yeah. Yes. You go from Batman to hamsters. That's right, Blapped. That's right. That's, Would you have it any other way? Philosophy. Precisely. <laughs> but in all seriousness, yeah, guys, that's pretty much going to be the end of our show today. Yeah. Max, is there anything that you'd like to shout out for people uh, to get to know you some more? I'd like to shout out uh, Blapped. Um, he provided tremendous questions in the chat. I'd like to shout out the chat itself. Uh, thank you for everybody for listening to us banter about uh, the Batman and everything else that we talked about. Thank you for your time. Um, I'd like to shout out the spicy chicken sandwich at Wendy's. Mm quality quality food item i haven't tried it uh for great i need to try it i i will never be back on this show ever okay until you have a spicy chicken sandwich i tell you what i'm um, i never interact in your discord no, no offense to you that discord's just too busy for my liking but when i eat that sandwich i will be sure to post it in there just for you excellent um and make sure you get their uh, the new fries are good now they okay. make them crunchy now wait how yeah. new are these fries because i've been i've they had it some in the last like two months okay because i've had it a couple times in the last like three four months so i'm not sure if i've had the new fries yet i haven't noticed a difference yet yeah they do double fry now like where they fry them twice okay uh so they're wendy's more crunchy this morning. This morning. and fries well, i had like wendy's breakfast and so, what'd you get fries? Yeah, they were good. Didn't get I got fried? a bacon, egg, and cheese. They give you like a potato wedges. Like if you go to like KFC, like they give you potato mm. wedges. They were fine. 
I just re- I wanted like tater tots or something, but Wendy's was the only thing still serving breakfast, and I was like, all right, I might as well try it now. It was still good. Okay. I'm, I'm not sure that. if I've ever had their breakfast. It's new, within like the last okay. year. Yeah, McDonald's so is usually the only place I'll get for breakfast if I need to get like something quick for breakfast, or I'll get like donuts at a gas station. That's pretty much all I get if I'm on the go and getting breakfast. QT. QT. Well, not really, because QT in the morning is a nightmare. In my yeah, experience. Unfortunately. Anyways, Max was promoting yeah. stuff. Yeah, sorry, Max. People. No, I, I, Wendy's uh, chicken sandwich. Check it out. It's really freaking good. He pro- and uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm, I'll oh, be course. back probably for Multiverse of Madness if Nick has yeah. a chicken sandwich by then. Yeah. So if Maybe I'm not on the do. episode, will you just talk to Manny? Or will you? Will, yeah. do I still have It'll to have the sandwich be. for you to even show up with just Manny? No, you have to have the sandwich. Shit, okay, fine. The, the, I'll do it for the content. The, you, you have to yeah. consume the sandwich, and uh, there's a good video for you as well. You're doing a review of the spicy chicken sandwich. I'll be the, what's that guy's name? The guy with, the, with like, millions of subscribers that oh. does all the, what's his name? The report of the week. That's it. This yeah. is running on empty. Oh, I love that Food guy. He's review. So good. He's so good. He is, like, a treasure. You know, he is... He is Gotham's hope. <laughs> he is Gotham's about him hope. being Gotham's hope. He we had the Cal- the Batman Calzone. I didn't get to eat it. <laughs> I, I never the- had it in time. I didn't review the Batman Calzone. I had it. It wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I, you had the worst review of it. Edith actually had said that it was okay. She had tried it. She said it was the okay. The pizza stuff was good. Some of the Calzone was okay, but it was overbearing <laughs> at mm. certain points. Like, whatever that white sauce they were using, ooh, ooh, ooh. nope, no thanks. Mm. But um, I kind of want to have it again. Blapped asks, where did you get the calzone? It was at Little Caesars. Little Caesars. Yeah, which I've never had in my life. It was the Batman, it was the Batman calzone. See, yeah. if I'm getting an actual calzone, like, go local. Like, we have yes. a place, I completely forgot what it is, but we have a place here that I like to get calzones for. Um... Namarco's is another local place that I get up in when I'm in college and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's has good calzones. Anyways, guys, calzones are good. I turn into Ben Wyatt when I talk <laughs> about them. Uh, to bring us full circle uh, from the beginning of this stream, I don't remember if it was on the official recording of the episode or not. We have like eight lost minutes, but they should have named it the uh, Falcone Calzone. That's just my take. Yeah. Am I pulling a block? No. I think someone else mentioned that. It might have been you. Um, Did I? Interesting. <laughs> I don't think it's my best no. work by any no. stretch. No. <laughs> See, that's something that's something that you could get on like the Suicide Quad, <laughs> like with like a side of Joker juice. Like I'm sure that's where you could get it. I still is, yes, is that is, is that dying it, in chat? Look at this, this is this is, is the greatest is ending. That, of, of an oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Time. We're still we're, we're still just doing the plugs. Um, yeah. So Batman, hide the Batman. Hide the Batman. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's we're good just to have about you. to end. Sorry about so, that. Sorry. Hopefully you can catch us on the playback. Um, <laughs> no, hold up. There's a new viewer. Let's start again. Welcome. Let's, let's start all we're over. Gonna do, What's up, guys? We're, we're here. We're back for another episode. Batman, nineteen thirty. 390 we're gonna go again just for you one more time we're actually gonna talk about wasn't there like an animated wasn't there like an animated show in the early 2000s called the batman yes Yes. and it uses a very similar this movie uses a very similar font to the font of that Mm, okay yeah you have you have 
Batman the Animated Series. You have Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, The Batman, Batman the Brave and the Bold, uh, Beware the Batman. There's a lot of Batman animated shows. There Batman are. Beyond. I haven't watched any of them. I saw uh, the first yeah. episodes of the really animated good. series and of Beyond, but that was all I ever saw of anything. Those are quality Touch. shows. So but you occurred. you can be selective with them. You can yeah. find just like a hand, like uh, if you the don't have the time, you know. Is a good one. Yeah, just pick a few like um, handful of episodes, and uh, it's pretty incredible. I mean, Harley Quinn was created on that show. She didn't exist before. Hmm. I think Bob I'm. says, bro, this hamster is giving me a headache. Please, Please remove, remove him. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot the hamster was still on the screen. <laughs> this should be this should be your mascot for your channel. Yes, a hundred percent. Make some merch with him. I can't believe that like... Nick lost some foot yeah. speckles. <laughs> Maybe a higher res image. Maybe. Can you please just make that the, the it thumbnail? It would be funnier for the video. <laughs> yes. use it at this low resolution. Just go to remove yes. remove dot bg, BG. Just, like it removes yeah. the background of okay. photos. And just remove just the background and just have him. It'll be tremendous. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think we have that plan uh, now. We're, yeah, we're doing it. I think so. Guys, thanks. Thank you, Max, for being here. Really does mean a lot. We always appreciate you taking time out of your busy days to spend it here with us talking about whatever dumb stuff we're going to talk about. The dumb thing in it. question is always a comic book movie. Yeah, That's what it has Usually, to be now. Yeah. That's what it has I to be. It. My yeah. favorite, my favorite dumb thing to talk about. Yeah, is comic book movies. Not my favorite. Yeah. Yeah, we know Nick. Yeah. I I'll keep talking about them. I liked this one. This one was good. Yeah. He won't like any of the other ones this year. Mm, probably. But not. um. Nick, I think he like Black Adam. Be... Ooh, no, you don't know so. me. He doesn't like The Rock. Yeah, you don't know me, buddy. <laughs> I don't like The Rock in movies. So that's a bad omen for that movie. Is uh, uh no, I was actually kind of interested in the Flash, and the Flash is pushed. Aquaman's also pushed. Oh, um, you're interested in like everything that I'm not interested in. It's I, perfect. I just, I, I'm literally just interested in Michael Keaton. That's it. Mm, I know. And I guess Ben Affleck's yeah, in it too. Shazam. <laughs> first, I, I like the first Shazam. First Shazam, but boy Ben Affleck all of a sudden wants to be back. What happened? Does he really? Yeah, he's like talking about like, oh yeah, I'm open to coming back as Batman now. Like, what happened, bro? You talk so much trash on the character. You talk so much trash. Oh, it made me an alcoholic. Being Batman made me an alcoholic. Not my own personal. You'd think somebody who plays a character with such an immense amount of responsibility would borrow some of those qualities for his own life. Rant over. I don't like Ben Affleck. I can tell. Anyway, watch, uh, what's it called, Deep Water, about to come out with Ben Affleck and Anand Armas, the uh, definitely not awkward movie that they made together. When they were together and then yes. they broke up? Yeah. I haven't seen anything from that press tour yet. I'm very curious what that press tour is like. Me too. That's going to be a very interesting. Uh, Nick, your stuff's going to be in the description. Yeah. Guys, I got my nothing... stuff will also be there. I got nothing new There's to plug. All much. I do is here. Wait, only Hasbula yeah. is in the description. Oh, you want Hasbulla in the description? Mm -hmm. No, but I, I only see Hasbulla in, in the description. I'm on the gotcha. screen page. Gotcha. I see it just says, you guys don't <laughs> judge. I'm making money on it. <laughs> That's it. 
<laughs> yeah, that's true. I forgot that was below was in the description. <laughs> Wait, he's like, in the description? None of your details are in the description. Max, <laughs> click, <laughs> click on the photo of Hasbulla. Uh, I see, I see. Mm. Hasbulla. Oh, and then it's my boy Miles. Respect. Does the Hasbulla link take you to his NFTs or no? No, it no. takes it takes you guys to to tip the channel. Mm, okay, I think I think those are down right now anyway because of the sanctions. Mm. So you Maybe. can't get an NFT. You can't get any Hasbula NFTs. Mm. Apparently, mm -hmm. he was giving out a bunch of them on the Discord. I just got my tax return back, and I can't get those NFTs now. That sucks. Damn. For the record, it's folks, I'm joking. Here, here, here I'm joking. He, yes, I am also joking. But he did tweet out, we're giving away free and custom design Hasbula NFTs and Hasbula shout-out videos. Details are in our Discord. Join for free here. Yeah, that sounds like a scam. That sounds like 100%. the kind of thing like, hey, you just need to send us one payment so that then we could send you your free stuff. <laughs> oh. Hasbula is, oh, no, I was about to say something. I'm not going to say it on stream. Uh, guys, we appreciate you guys. Uh, it really does mean a lot that you spend your time listening to us. It does. So thank you very much, and we will see you guys on the next episode. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Bye.